Hello, everybody, to Horror Movies and Shit. Um, today we have our lovely co-host. Who? You said You're lovely, and it threw me off. I, I have no idea where I'm supposed to go with this. Who's supposed to say your name, you fucking doofus? Oh, my name's Jim. Okay, um, and we also have somebody from the future. Jim, do you we, want to introduce our uh, time traveler? We do. Reporting to us from the future is uh, David Jack Fletcher. He is a horror author and a co-founder or founder, yeah, co-founder. of sla- co-founder of Slashic Horror Press. Thanks for having me, guys. It's always nice to look into the past. <laughs> <laughs> Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? <laughs> it is. I- I really hope tomorrow is better than today, and globally. Oh, <laughs> uh, this morning's news in Australia yeah. was a guy's a guy's dog got um, taken into the river by a kangaroo, and it tried to drown the dog, and so he went into the river to save his dog, and he ended up in a boxing match with the kangaroo. That's our news for this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly enough, it, it's like an analog for Florida, but just kangaroo <laughs> to alligator. And it's the same story that we have. We, yeah, we've had those stories. Yeah, man defends puppy from kangaroo from uh, alligator. alligator. Well, that's <laughs> did, you see, did you see the news in um, in my area? Um, there was an alligator, and uh, somebody was walking. I think their dog. And they they spot this alligator and it had like a human in their mouth. I did. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, had remains of a human. Crazy. So they killed it. Of course. Did they, they ever had... identify the body? Um. It, yeah. It was uh, some woman, but I don't know if she was a transient or, or something. But uh. but David Jack, our alligators are nothing compared to your salties. Yeah. Look, I mean, we we do it bigger and better here. That's all I can yeah. say. <laughs> Everything in Australia wants to kill you. Yeah, even the people. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> so, David, why oh. don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, so obviously I'm Australian. Um, I my background is in academia, so I've taught across cultural studies, sociology, media studies, all that sort of fun stuff. Um, I got back into writing a couple of years ago after about a ten year hiatus. Um, and that's when I decided I really just want to do something that I love. Um, mm-hmm. And from there, it fell into me um, not only writing the books, but also creating an editing company, retraining as a, as a qualified editor. Um, and from there, it led to the publishing stuff. So uh, my co-founder, Lee, and I, we are really passionate about queer horror specifically. Um, we want to get as many queer authors out there as possible, awesome stories um, where the queer characters aren't the side characters. Um, they're not the butt of the joke. You know, they're the protagonists. They have, they carry meaning. They carry weight around. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's basically about me. And, of course, I write queer horror um, as well. So there's that. So you have... Uh, the Haunting of Harry Peck and Ravens Creek, right? Yes, yes, I do. So I do. I, I have not finished Ravens Creek yet. I started it, and that opening scene is brutal, Mark. Ooh, it is brutal. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. It is brutal. <laughs> wait, wait, well, wait. So, uh, Mark, 
Well, well, hang on a little second here. So whenever Jim talks about being something being brutal, that's a very low bar for Jim. <laughs> he thinks the first Halloween movie is brutal, and it's oh, okay, okay. So actually, David Jack and I had a chance to discuss this scene when I first started reading it. And uh, do do you mind if I if I expound a little bit, David Jack? Yeah, go for it. So, Mark, the opening scene of this book is a cesarean with a cha- with a table saw. Essentially. Oh, like the good old days. Yeah, right. <laughs> so to me, that's a little brutal, in my so, opinion. So, so I heard something, and I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, that chainsaws were originally developed to aid with childbirth. I think we've I all think heard that, that myth. might be a lie, but I don't I think know. it might be. Yeah, I haven't heard that personally, but I can see how it would occur. <laughs> <laughs> because you know medical practice a uh, while yeah. back was pretty pretty crazy so i can yeah, see that that's true so the uh the harry peck book tell me about that one let's start that that was that the first one you wrote or the first one you published what's the story so that, behind that book that was the first one that i wrote it was intended to be a trilogy but i feel like um kind of cognitively i've moved on from that particular story. So the, okay. I'm probably not going to revisit it. Um, but it's a horror comedy. And so what I thought would be cool would be to take some classic um, scenes or scenes from classic horror movies and replace the villain with a the ghost of a chicken um, just because that's where my humour sort of goes to sometimes. So I've got... Poultry geist kind of. Well, yeah, so I've got the the scene from The Ring where, you know, she's crawling out of the TV and it's all muddy and staticky and and I just replaced that with a chicken and the guy's response to that is um, kind of a bit more crazy than you would expect. Okay. um, Versus then if a person was crawling out of the TV. Um, And so it kind of, I kind of thought the ridiculousness of the situation would carry the story. Um, Okay. And so it's essentially a possession, a, a haunting and a possession story. And he tracks down a shaman that he thinks might be able to help him, named Vegan Shaman. Um, and they sort of try to fix the problem. They fall in love. And it sort of also traces a long history of animal hauntings. Um, so I play around with history a little bit. So, you know, the Lost Colony of Roanoke. Um, I sort of yep. play around with that history a little bit to make it a, a thing about animal hauntings, getting revenge on the colonists and things like that. So people well, that seem to like, like fun. it. Yeah, it sounds like fun. Like. Not going to lie. Okay, so let's let's move on to Ravens Creek. So Ravens Creek. Um, this started out as a short story, and it was really to sort of just flex my writing muscles after ha- having not written anything for a long time. Um. I took it to a writing group and they were like, wow, this is pretty good, but it should be more than a short story. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll do it as a novella then. Um, and then the more I, I wrote, the more that it sort of revealed itself to me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it needed to be a bit longer. So this one is um, about a gay married couple, Michael and Jeff, who are searching for their runaway surrogate. Um, and they end up in this sort of abandoned town called Ravens Creek, where ominously the only 
building that has lights on is the motel. So it sort of invokes that sort of vacancy vibe where they've got no other choice but to sort of um, stop for the night. Uh, and the owners of the motel are not very nice people at all. So <laughs> it's, <laughs> um, it's a creature feature survival body horror, basically, um, that really centers on the, on the, the gay married couple. I have, I have not had a chance to get that much into it because of, you know, life, but I, I really enjoyed the opening sequence in that book. So I'm, I cannot wait to get back into it this week. Well, I'm, I'm keen to see what you think, Jim. <laughs> Are you now? <laughs> I am. Yeah. Well, I'm I will definitely keen, let you know. I'm always keen to hear from readers because, um, there are some things that that were really work for for a large portion of people, and then there are some mm-hmm. things that others will interpret extremely differently with a meaning that I hadn't intended. Right, um, and I I find that really interesting to hear about. So, and it mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily inform my future writing, but it is something that I think about. Yeah, so, of course, so re- those two books they sound very different. In a way, For me, right? Yeah, they're extremely yeah. different. Yeah, yeah, the de- <laughs> demonic troop, right? And <laughs> the body horror. Um, uh, so, whenever, whenever you said, like, do you have a favorite genre you like to write about? Or do you just like, hey, th- this is a good idea. I just want to kind of explore um, th- this idea. Like, what if, right? Um, I love body horror. That's what I like to watch. That's what I like to write about. So, with The Haunting of Harry Peck, I would say it's quite tame um, in terms of body horror. And that was more, I wanted to do something that my friends and family would read. Um, and so <laughs> I, I thought I'll do a comedy, uh, a comedy horror and see how that goes down. So a lot of people say it's more of a young adult sort of um, like an entry point into horror. Right. And that's kind of why I'm, I've moved away from that a bit. I really want to focus more on the the body horror. I love that sort of um, exploring the limitations of the body and what what we'll do to ourselves and to other people to survive. Uh, And to me, sort of embedded in that is that idea of, um, you know, of humanity, Uh, whether we save or save our humanity or discard it in the end. And what it means to be human, I think that's one of the things that really lies behind body horror for me. Um, so those are the sorts of themes that I like to write about. Right, and and we actually did an episode, Jim, if you remember, about body horror. We did. And to me, to me, it's about the transformation, right? That's yeah. the process. That's the body horror. And you know, honestly, it could be good or bad, right? I mean, just depending on how you look at it. And if you look at, you know, obviously Cronenberg is a poster child for, um, you know, movie body horror. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and I think it's almost like the destruction of the self. Yeah. Is that like primal, horrific, like somebody getting cancer, right? I mean, that's kind of body horror, right? Because your own body is destroying your body, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and that's sort of primal relatable fear right it's not like an alien coming down or a demonic chicken yeah um yeah like well, your, your I, body I, is the enemy chicken well i mean you can talk about geese and they're, and they're we're, pretty... we're not in canada mark <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but but really, I think body horror really is about that slow transformation uh, from what you know into something that you don't know. And I think yeah. that. I would agree, but I would also take it a bit further and because a lot of people have that sort of, they understand themselves based on their body. Um, and there is that relationship between mind and body. So right. with that destruction of the body, is that also a destruction of, you know, what makes you human or is what makes you human more of that, what lies in the mind or is it a spiritual thing? So I think there's a lot of ways that you can look at it, but it does revolve around the destruction, obviously. Mm. I, and, you know, there's there's that physical destruction, and then you can talk yeah. about, um, like, uh, Alzheimer's or yeah. you know, things like that, where it fundamentally changes who you are without your control. So yeah. I, have, I have two questions. I have two questions about that, Mark yep. and David Jack. So <laughs> based on the conversation that you guys are having right now, Alien would qualify as body horror, Correct. Yeah, it's a, I would say it's a creature feature, body horror. Um, I I see where you're coming from, Jim. Right. I mean, it's uh, it's but, a logical but, leap but, anyway, based on the conversation. Right. But it's kind of like uh, you know, it's Rosemary's Baby body horror because it's kind of got that same mm-hmm. outcome. I mean, it's it's about something inside you which is coming right. out, which is kind of well wrong. <laughs> For me, what I would say, I did my, um, I actually did my honours um, degree, my thesis in my honours degree on the Alien franchise. <laughs> did you now? I did, yeah. Awesome. Um, one, one of my favorite franchises, I'll just have you know, so don't destroy it for me. <laughs> I have so many questions for you. <laughs> so what I would say is Alien, the film Alien in and of itself, I wouldn't say body horror. Alien as okay. a franchise where we follow the trajectory of Ripley, mm-hmm. I would start to say yes, because obviously Alien Resurrection, yep. she's, she's, completely, she's completely different. Yeah. Um, but also there's there's a whole thing that happens to Ripley as a character where she sort of starts out, in my view, as sort of this um, sort of almost like a gender-free um, character. And right. she sort of starts to become more and more masculine um, throughout um, because of the relationship to technology. But it's ultimately that technology that leads to the um, destruction and then reconstruction of her body. So I would so, say, as a franchise, yes, but as single as a single film, no. Because that I, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark. That that role was originally originally written man. as a man, right? Yeah. yeah. It, it was written to be ambiguous, right? Right. That you know, they they said it could be a man, it could be a woman. Whoever comes, you know, um, up to uh, whenever whenever they're doing their auditions, will pick the right person for that role, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be a man or a woman. Um, uh, David Jack, I totally agree with you. Post Aliens, I <laughs> think there's there, there's. I, I, <laughs> Well, I think aliens. There's such of that motherly bond with Newt. Yes, that, yeah. you know, it really is the two mothers against each other, right? It, it's the alien queen and it's Ripley. Well, so this is where I start to diverge a little bit from the mainstream because I I argued in my thesis that Ripley was essentially a gay male. So, despite the explain, actual, despite the physical body. Hmm. She represents to me because of the um, 
the way that she survives the films, right, is to essentially strip herself of most femininity in the way that she looks and things. You can see it with her hair getting shorter across the films and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the becoming a soldier, which is traditionally or stereotypically masculine. So mm-hmm. while she is protecting Newt and it could be seen as motherly, um, I actually argue that it's more fatherly and the potential romantic interest with um, with Hicks is yep. uh, is a p- possible same sex relationship. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the an way interesting. That I argued it. That's an interesting take on. It. I mean, I th- I think she's a reluctant soldier. I mean, she doesn't she go in there all gung ho. Um, but by the end of it, she's no, like she's going to take so, everything down. She doesn't go but, into it gung ho in Aliens, but the minute the shit hits the fan, she is she's not holding back. And she, everyone the, turns to her for answers. Right, because she's the only one that's actually lived through it once. Mm. I, so. I, and it's that meme that's going around again. It went around a while ago, and now it's back, it seems, in my feed. About, hey, my wife reviewed Alien, and it's about this smart lady that nobody listens to, and it ends <laughs> up that she's right. right. I mean, they're, they're not wrong. If they had just followed quarantine protocol. Absolutely, yes. I, I, I almost I almost see and you know it's it's probably the odd duck of them, and there's probably a lot more to dissect than you know if you've done your thesis obviously you've done a thesis on it is Alien Three, where yeah. you know shaved head in this right. all male environment she's yeah. the alien etc. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that's the great thing about these movies, even though. Uh, Three, <laughs> I have a lot of problems with, and four, I've got a lot more problems with. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> See, I loved four. I loved um, it. So, so my my main problem with four, and I love the cinematography, and I love some right. of the scenes in it, but yep. it just felt like a cartoon, right? Um, and that's what I loved about it. And, and that's fine, but it just yeah. seems a little out of place from the prior three. So I will tell you that with Aliens, I always felt until the extended edition came out that the relationship between Ripley and Newt felt forced until they added back in the parts about Ripley's daughter. About her daughter. Then it made sense. Yep. But that was a really long, awkward (laughs) silence, guys. (laughs) Well, that's because Mark had no no comebacks, which is weird for him. It's It's not a comeback. Um, he had nothing to add. It's it's a it's, it's really like if you stack them up, like the whole Ripley character all the way through them, it's so different, right? I, yeah. Again, I think especially three and four compared to one and two, mm-hmm. it, and obviously part four, it's not actually Ripley, right? It's a clone of Ripley, right? So, and she got alien stuff going on inside yep. her, yeah. Um, so, it's a, and then like I'm not even going to throw in Prometheus and I mean these ones. No, Prometheus and Covenant were absolutely abhorrent. I hate those movies. Uh, yeah, David so, Jack, what, um, what do you think of those two? Well, I I was just going to ask Jim, what was your second question that you had for me? Because you oh, said so, the first question was about Alien, right? So my the other question, the other thing I was going to bring up is when Mark mentioned dementia and Alzheimer's being essentially body horror is the taking of Deborah Logan. That almost elevates that into that realm too. Right, Mark? 
Yep. Totally agree. The yeah. horror of that movie is as much, even yeah, if absolutely. it wasn't all the supernatural part of it. Yeah. It's just the caregiver and yep. the elder elderly mother who's mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know, got Alzheimer's and is losing it. And right. that's the real life kind of tragedy that we all know. Um, you know, somebody's had that or somebody that we know has had that. So yeah. yeah. Great question, Jim. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for answering that, Mark. <laughs> right. How did you feel about the movie, David Jack? Um, I would just, I would actually second what Mark said. So. <laughs> See, I mean, that's, and that's, I don't know. So anyway, let, let's move on to Slashic Press or Slashic Horror, shall we? Slashic Horror. Explain. Thank you. Though uh, I'm never going to get all three names correct in the same sentence. It's just not going to happen. But you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> so tell me how that came about. Well, um, I've, I noticed with a bunch of other indie presses that, you know, they were doing some really important work with queer anthologies. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there, are f- there are only a few presses that really focus as their core model on queer horror. Right. And so while there are outlets for people to get their, their work out there, I wanted to kind of make more of a, I guess more of a community around um, queer authors and a place that they could sort of all come um, together to share their work and things like that. And when people, when people look at our website, they know exactly what they're going to get. And I feel like that sort of, um, to me, it really helps build uh, build more of an environment for, for queer authors and queer readers. Yeah. Um, rather than having to sort of look around at different places, you know, what are their queer titles and how do we know that? Um, so that that's kind of what inspired the idea. But I... So I was doing my writing and I was doing my editing. Um, I finished my, you know, my my course, my editing course, which was also an editing and publishing course. And I did an internship through that um, with a Sydney-based publisher. And I really started to get interested in more of the behind the scenes of publishing, um, book formatting, um, you know, by getting the ISBNs, how do you go about, um, cover creation, cover design, marketing, book launches, all that sort of stuff. And um, my friend Lee in the UK, uh, he is also an author. And I was just saying to him, would you be interested in something like that? He's also quite passionate about um, getting more representation for the whole spectrum of queerness. Right. Um, and so we just decided to, pretty much it was a, couple of messages back and forth on Instagram and we just decided that yeah we're gonna do it and nice yeah and then the next thing you know um we're building a website we were looking at logos we were thinking about names um yeah so it sort of just kind of kept going from the initial idea well we've been we've been lucky enough to talk to two of your authors so far um Carlos Rivera and Kisto Healy Oh, lovely. Um, they're so, so they're, they're amazing I'm, guys. I'm still editing Kisto's episode right now because it went a little long, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, uh, they're both awesome, awesome people. They How are, do you go about lovely. finding authors? 
Well, we have an open submission policy. So um, rather than a submission window, that might mm-hmm. be changing in the future um, because we are getting inundated. Um, but so basically we just say, we just remind people we're always open for submissions. These are the guidelines um, and people just keep submitting to us. So what happens from there is we read the sample because they submit a 50 mm-hmm. page sample to us and we determine, um, I mean, we've had a lot of people submit like some pretty well-known names in the indie community, mm-hmm. but their work isn't queer. They're not queer. Um, and it's like, that's maybe something we might look at in the future in terms of getting some allies out there as well. Right. But at the moment, our core focus is central to the queer authors. Um, and we want the work to have some queer visibility as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, sorry, I knocked something over. <laughs> oh, Jim, honestly. Oh, for fuck's sake. I know. You know it can't, take, can't take me anywhere. We have to start again. We've got to start all over again. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, so um, that's, um, that's pretty much how how we go about it um so we don't find the authors the authors find us okay um yeah so and, and we've so, been really we've been really happy with how how it's going because we just keep getting more and more submissions um it's nice. been really nice yeah so, so i have a question about that david jack so um i i'm typically the minority on this podcast because i'm not okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah. um, but well, you know what they say, Mark. Though everyone, any man can be gay. All it takes yeah. is a four pack of beer. It's just a question about. So, whenever you're looking for authors, or they're submitting stuff? Um, is it that they're gay or that they have to have like a gay characters or, or have some, uh, plot device where, where it's inclusive with the gay community? Yeah. Um, or, so or, yeah, I wouldn't say gay community It's the queer community only because gay sort of, um, doesn't really reflect bisexual trans, you know, all the people on the spectrum. But, um, what I would say is the way that the author identifies is not important. Right. What they're getting through in their work is important. So if they have that queer visibility, um, that's what we're really looking for. But so when I say that we have had people say, Oh, I can just um, edit one of my characters to be gay. And to me, that's not the same thing as writing a queer book that's sort of just trying to tick a box to so a publisher will accept your work. Right. Um, and I can see why people might do that because getting a, getting something published is really hard. Um, but what we're looking for as well is that authenticity behind the characters. So there's a reason that they're writing the character that way um, rather than just editing them um, for the sake of it, if that makes so- sense. Yeah, no, that, that totally does. And just to be uh, clear, and Jim, we've been doing this podcast for a long time. Um, About a year. Gays compared to queer, I don't, is it a cultural thing? Because So you're thinking gay, gay is one subset of the queer culture, Mark? Yeah. You also okay. have, when you say queer, you're encompassing the lesbian, bisexual, transgender, 
uh, questioning androgynous, and there's one other one that I'm missing. Well, there's asexual, there's pansexual. Right. There's. there's so it, it, when you say queer, it includes it includes it includes everybody rather than okay. just gay. So so queer is all the letters, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> now, honestly, I, I just don't want to like missay something because oh no, it's totally I, I, fine because, because words are important, right? And how you say things are important. So yeah, whatever uh, you I do, David Jack. We'll serve. Whatever uh, you do, David Jack, don't say the word woke in front of Mark, please. Oh, ever. <laughs> that's different. It's actually Sorry. not a word that I'm um, that I generally use, to be honest. Unless I say I, I woke up this morning, I, I don't really uh, use it in the in the way that other people are using it these days. I used it once. I used it once incorrectly in front of Mark. He still won't let me live well, it down. Well, I just think woke is used as generally in the U.S. anyway, yeah. like a derogatory term. It is. Right? You're, if you're woke, you're like, you know, there's different aspirations that they put on that word, but it's usually used derisively. And I think just woke, just like to me, if you say you're woke, I like, okay, I'm woke because I would like everybody to have equal platform to succeed. Mm. And if that makes me woke, then I'm woke. Yep. I don't care who you are. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> We're going to other other podcast territory there, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I'm curious, David Jack, with your with your publishing, um, mm-hmm. what's the oddest experience you've had so far with your submissions? Um. Gosh. There have been a few. <laughs> um okay odd in what way (laughs) in any way let's go with the most amusing so that we're not you know getting into into weird territory (laughs) look i mean it's okay something that doesn't involve the authors i'll 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 Mm -hmm. do that because um, otherwise when i put this up online people and the oh yeah yeah we don't want to get you in trouble no they'll go that was me (laughs) so um, so one of the oddest things that has happened was when we submitted um i uploaded the files to kdp Mm -hmm. and and hit publish and it can take it says it can take up to 72 hours to get it to be live so i always do it a few days in advance sometimes that means the book's released you know a day or two early that's fine but what we found was just in this one instance, we were waiting three weeks and it was still in review. And I'm I'm emailing Amazon um, saying, you know, this is what's happened. And I just kept getting a, a robot response saying, um, hi, David, which really annoys me, by the way. Um, like, they can't read hyphens? Like, come on, right. AI, you know, do better. But um, so they're like, hi, David. Uh, once you hit publish, it can take up to 72 hours. And I'm like, yes, I know that. Please refer to my previous email that says, I have been waiting for three weeks, which right. far exceeds your um, your 72-hour uh, guideline. And it just went, that went back and forth for another two weeks. I eventually got on the phone to Amazon, um, and the person I spoke to was like, oh, I can see that your title is in review this can take up to 72 hours. I'm like, can you please just like, fucking listen to me? 
And it was just very strange because, you know, by that point, we published a few books. It had never happened before. There's been no explanation as to why this happened in the first place. I went on forums. I asked in Q&A things. And people, no one had a reasonable answer for me. So I would say that, that that's the strangest experience I've had so far. Okay. That's fair. Mark, what else, what are the questions you got for David Jack? So, so I'm just a general question. I'll see. Um, I, I'm more of a movie guy than a book guy. Um, Jim's the, the nerd here. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, 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 I'm like sitting here, like there's lots of classic Australian horror movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of one that has queer characters in it that I've seen. Um, so do you have, is, is there any out there? I'm sure there must be, right? Um, not that I've seen, no. Hmm. So I'll tell you what, though. Yeah. Australia's very slow to move on things like that. So I remember, you know, God, probably less than 10 years ago was the first, you know, gay male kiss on on mainstream Australian television. and Really? And it got like real, like it got a lot of hatred. Wow. So, um, we're very slow on the uptake with that sort of thing. You know, same sex marriage was, was available or legal in many parts of the world before us, um, including New Zealand, which is our, you know, unofficial, the unofficial state of Australia. Um, you know, we didn't get it till 2019. So that just goes to show we're very slow on that sort of thing. Homosexuality was coming from the UK. It always seems like the US is kind of like because it's the media empire, right? Yeah. The US kind of leads a lot of entertainment stuff. Um, I'm I'm not going to talk about non-US or sorry, non-English speaking countries, but um, because that's totally different. Uh, And then it kind of drips down to the UK, and the UK almost drips down to Australia or Antipodean. As you're saying, kind of the the uh, New Zealand stuff. Yeah, yeah. But the, it it it's 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 hard for me to kind of look at Australian cinema and say, I mean, there's no real horror queer movies out there. It it, it, it kind of blows my mind a little bit. I mean, I'm sure there are. Um, I don't know what they are. I couldn't name them. I do think that the Australian show, um, the, the series version of Wolf Creek, I do believe there was a gay couple in that who got murdered. Um, and I also think that Australian shows tend to show more lesbians than gay men. We're still very slow on trans and bisexual um, characters and things like that. So, shame Australia. So, I will. <laughs> I, I did a quick Google search while you guys were talking about. I heard you typing. For, it was very it, loud. Um, <laughs> I, it's because I have a mechanical keyboard. Sorry. Um, and I, I did specifically look for queer Australian horror movies and I got two results. Cool, cool. One is called Bad Girl Boogie. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, yep. No, and wait, the bad, other bad boy Bubby is it? 
Bad Girl Boogie. Oh, okay. So that's not what I'm thinking of. <laughs> and the other one is uh, my favorite movie ever, The Babadook. Uh, what, what's the queer character? Oh, uh, the, the Babadook in general has become like a gay icon, and I don't understand uh, it. Right, but but there's not a queer character in there, right? Is not that I remember. Gay? It, it is a. It's everywhere. It, no, but is it just gay? Like a, No, no. If it went to a gay bar, would it pick up? It might. <laughs> it might now. <laughs> How many I, I don't understand why. <laughs> you never know. So, so David, Jack, what, uh, as far as just like the queer community in horror, right, books, uh, whatever, in Australia, mm-hmm. what do you think the next steps are to get that more visible or, or, or get the backing, right? Get the money behind some of these projects. In all honesty, I think it will start to happen more and more because um, kind of organically because that's the way media is heading. So, um, you know, it's not uncommon to have, um, you know, queer characters in films and television these days. Um, So I think just the general visibility is gaining momentum. Um, And I know that there are a lot more sort of independent um, filmmakers as well who are getting more traction that will be doing that sort of thing. So I... I really think that it's going to start happening anyway. Um, in terms of what the next steps are, I, I mean, I'm not really in the film industry, so I wouldn't right. quite know. But um, in terms of books, you know, um, I, I couldn't really say. It's really just trying to get your stuff out there. Um, and I think that takes a, a really good marketing strategy. Um especially in Australia, because where I am, just for example, we had, when the same-sex marriage vote was was on back in 2019, we had hate mail in our mailbox. We had friends whose houses got, um, you know, egged and graffitied and people were getting assaulted and, you know, kids were being taken away from their parents and that sort of thing just in my area. Um, So I think... You know, there's this really thin, there's a thinly disguised um, veil of acceptance in a lot of places in Australia, um, from my experience. So I think in general, there needs to be a kind of a paradigm shift, um, a shift in ideological values um, around what people are consuming. Um, No more book bans, for fuck's sake. (laughs) Right. Um, I think that there's there's just a lot that needs to happen uh, in general. There's in the U.S. certainly um, in a lot of what we call red states, right? So me and Jim live yeah. in Florida. Yeah. So there's book bans and stuff, and they really, really like. Okay, so they kind of had the gay thing, right? In the eighties, oh, we hit the gays, and then society kind of moved on. Okay, gays are okay. Now it's transgender. No, honestly, it's now it's like transgender is the big yeah. boogie. Yeah. Um, it, it's always shifting the goalposts to something else that is not considered traditional Christian family. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's an example for you from something that happened to me recently. I was at a barbecue 
um, you know, classic Australian barbecue. And um, we just got into talking about things. And this woman at the barbecue was like, oh, we had this. And she had her hand to her chest like she was punching at invisible pearls. And she says, we had this woman working at my daughter's school who had blue hair. And I said, so what? And she said, we just don't see that sort of thing around my area. And I'm like, are you kidding? Then it got into things like tattoos and how tattoos are only for criminals. And it's like those sorts of stereotypes and the stigmatization that accompanies it, it's still very much alive today. And if, you know, we're only talking about blue hair and tattoos in that instance. So I think there's just a lot of work in general that needs to be done around acceptance versus tolerance. And that, that is absolutely awful. And a lot of these people run around saying people should have freedom, right? Oh, yeah. you should be free unless you're doing something which I dislike yeah. and then you be victim. <laughs> She was saying all this stuff in front of me and, you know, I have multiple tattoos that are visible to the naked eye. And I was like, really? Come on. So, you know, but still she's allowed to say whatever she wants without being. And, 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 ju- and just to um, educate our audience, uh, David Jack, so what area in Australia do you live? Um, oh, should I say, what if we've got a, what if you have a listener in, in the general area and they come and hunt me uh, down? Who cares? If they're listening, <laughs> to them, then, then so, they're... I live in New South Wales, um, which most people associate with Sydney. Um, uh, but I am about two and a half hours north of the Sydney CBD in a place called Maitland. We have so, a Maitland here. So, really? so, yeah. You know, Obviously, um, Australia is a large, large area. And, you know, you look you look in the U.S. and stuff, right? So, like, Texas is very right-wing. But you have Austin in Texas, which is very liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you, are there larger areas in Australia where people are generally more queer-friendly? Yeah, Melbourne. Or as you guys might say, Melbourne. Yeah, we, we don't, don't pronounce that. we don't I, pronounce the R. It's just Melbourne. <laughs> that's well, how so I say it too. So, like whenever I grew up in Chicago, really? it's Chicago, Chicago. Chicago. Um, so I would say more the city centres. Um, so yeah. Melbourne CBD, Sydney CBD. Sort of the outer regions of Sydney, I would say, is still quite problematic. Um, but then you've got suburbs like Redfern, um, which you know is very gentrified now and very um, queer friendly, from what I from what I've experienced. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, where I am, it's not necessarily bad for, in that right. way because I'm a bit more sort of I'm not rural, but I'm a bit more sort of suburban. Um, but I do find that in, in times of, you know, high political stress that people tend to, um, reveal their true colors around how they feel about things. Yeah. I I mean, whenever, whenever things get stressed out, it's always a minority to blame. 
Yeah, but somehow it, it, it can feel like it's not the minority because of the the strength and the loudness of of the messaging that comes out. I mean, we had a town hall meeting, a meeting at our town hall to how to get rid of the queers or how to get rid of the gays um, in, in their town when the same-sex marriage thing was on. Um, so there are still lots of people that feel quite strongly against um, against our existence. <laughs> and that's why I think that films and television and books um, and radio programs and podcasts that highlight the visibility of queerness and the everydayness of queerness, I, that's why I think they're important. Is, is there much of is is a lot of that religious based or just societal based? Um, I couldn't really say to be honest, because um, there are a lot of you know old Catholics um, in the area, but then some of those people are quite friendly, uh, are queer friendly. So um, it really, I really couldn't say. Yeah, I, I just don't really like in my head because you know. My education about Australia is home and away and neighbors. And they don't talk about religion much on those uh, soap operas. <laughs> no. <laughs> and they don't have gay characters, really. Yeah. I think they did at one point. But, you know, EastEnders, is it EastEnders or Coronation Street? They had a gay guy on that like 20 years ago. Yeah. And well, he's very progressive. Yeah. Or was it, it is probably be about 30 years ago now. We had we had we had gay characters show up on my, one of my mom's favorite soap operas way back in the early nineties, mm. and he yeah, refuses he... to talk about it now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know why, so but he does. He refuses. It's um yeah, we're very slow on the uptake with some of those things. So, Mark, do you have any more questions? Yeah, yeah. So, do you have any upcoming books that you're writing? Any um project i do and for anyone who can't who's listening jim's eyebrows just went like way up to the roof (laughs) (laughs) because um jim recently um did a beta read for me for my next book called the count um and he really liked it so i'm told and um so that's 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 gonna be out in (laughs) it'll be out in april 2024 um, and that's a sort of a twist on vampirism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that because I don't, there aren't a lot of vampire um, texts or films that I really enjoy. Um, and I thought I want to do something that focuses on some similar themes, you know, around bloodlust and, and all that sort of stuff um, in a way that's different um, and in a way that I think is fresh personally so um jim's not saying anything he's like nah it's not fair uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody so i'm not i'm keeping my mouth shut um, all, all anybody needs to know is i enjoyed the book i enjoyed it yeah, very much so in this one uh my protagonist is um uh kind of a mid-30s gay male who moves into a new house um and there are some kind of problems with the house shall i say um, his best friend is um, also gay. I like to write about gay bears. And every interview that I do, I talk about this because I think it's really um, important because a lot of media that we see showcases, you know, the Chris Hemsworth type body. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people just don't like that. So, and, you know, my husband is a bear and he's, you know, sexy as all hell. 
So I want to make sure that I get um, those sorts of um, characters and people with, with, you know, the regular sort of body um, into my work. So I've Corey, got Corey was an awesome character. I'm not going to lie. And he was a bear him. and he was so cute and he was ginger. <laughs> and um... <laughs> I think there's a problem across media, right? I'm, I love movies where they have um, normal people, right? Not people yeah. out of like, you know, let's say, uh, Chris Helmsworth is, I really like him and stuff, but you know, just normal people or older people, right? Right. Uh, yeah. I, you know, you have like a Bubba Hotep or something is set in like a nursing home. That was a great, uh, fl- great film. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think there needs to be more like realization about, hey, not everybody's super attractive in real life, and we shouldn't expect that on yeah. in the movies um, because. It's kind of not relatable for a lot of people. Like I'm super attractive, Jim. Right? <laughs> He's not answering. But what I'll say is, totally kidding. So I want I want to see more people like me. <laughs> well, yeah, and the thing that I would say is that not everyone finds like the stereotypical bodybuilder type body beautiful. So yep. that's why I try to do that in my work. So in Ravens Creek, I've got. Um, one of the guys is a bear in um, in the count, which is the one from that'll be out next year. Uh, one, there's a bear, but then I've also decided I wanted to um, write a trans character and try to be um, as authentic as I could with that. So I I reached out to um, to a trans person and said, "Would you mind reading this character?" Um, because I want to use the appropriate language and I want to make sure that nothing I'm, I'm the way that I'm creating this character, I want to make sure it's not offensive or um, provides the wrong sort of, for lack of a better word, the wrong insight into what the trans experience is. Um, and they seem pretty happy with the way that I did it, um, which is good, uh, obviously. So mm-hmm. I've got I've got that book. And then uh, later in later in 2024, I also have my short story collection called Hell is Other People, which I think we can all agree is true. Um, And that's going to have a novella to start off with and then a a bunch of stories that I've previously had published along with some other original material. So, So, uh, Mark, there there were two things about this book that really creeped me out. Do you want to tell them what what it was, David Jack? What? Well, the fact that one of the characters is named after my sister. Oh, and yeah. And they have a lot yeah. of similarities. <laughs> and then, so in, he messaged me being all like, are you stalking me? And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I don't have the energy to be a stalker. But um, so one of them is named, one of the characters is named after Jim's sister. And apparently mm-hmm. there are quite a few similarities. <laughs> um, it's in itself like not a good thing for that for your sister. <laughs> um and the other thing was one of the characters is named jimmy yeah so um i've got a jimmy and i've got a shelly and yeah he, he was a bit creeped out by that so so no no joke i've thought um you know me and jim have been doing this podcast for about what a year and a half now i know Close. so much about jim's childhood that I should write like a book about it. But I told you this was no, I mean, a it, it would be, you know, it would probably be banned. 
It oh, probably wow. would. It probably would. <laughs> oh. mm. I mean, I'm waiting for this. Can say they've had a great childhood, though. Really, in retrospect, my, I don't think my childhood was bad. Mark thinks my childhood was bad. I don't so, know. I mean, you didn't turn me out right. So, so okay, okay. So we, we keep on going over this every podcast, but we have we to do. do. There's new people on every time. See, Dave, Jim, Jack, here here comes the story that I told you about before Mark jumped on. Go so, ahead, Mark. So, so there's two there's two main stories, right? <laughs> yes, it's an anthology. I'm thinking about the anthology. Mm. <laughs> so, Jim, talk mm. about why you didn't go to the movie theater before for I'm thirty years. Kids. Yes. So, from the time I was about twelve until I was forty-seven. I did not go to the movie theater by myself. And that's because prior to becoming 12, three times I went to the movie theaters and all three by myself and all three times gentlemen would sit next to me and pleasure themselves. Oh, so what? I stopped going to the theaters by myself. That's disgusting. But also <laughs> tell me that's what's what I that. So, but, but, you know, that, that is somebody, that's a stranger, right? So Mm -hmm. if you're writing this novel, these are um, antagonists that come in and they sit next to, to young Jimmy Mm -hmm. and and they're, you know, they've got their box of popcorn and, you know, the popcorn. There was no popcorn. It was just an overcoat. Yeah. Well, you know, but, (laughs) but, but what's more systemic in Jim's mental Issues, right? Just in general. <laughs> Here uh, comes the entity, David Jack. Here comes the entity. I the, told you, so, David Jack. Have you seen the movie The Entity? I actually but, haven't. So, so this movie, um, it's a early '80s movie where supposedly around a true story. Wrong. Yeah. Okay. So but, it's not. But, but, but Barbara Hershey. Um, is repeatedly raped. Oh, come on! And poltergeist. So, Jim, how old were you? Somewhere between eight and ten. So, Jim's mom said, "Hey, Jim." That's not how it happened. Hey, hey, little Jimmy. It's movie night. She she pops in the VHS. And they both <laughs> sit there, and Jim's eight or nine. With his mom watching Barbara Hershey be raped by a poltergeist over and over again. I can see so, how that's damaging. Yes. So here, here's, here's, here's the thing about that. Until I rewatched it as an adult, I never understood that she was being raped. Not once. But, but your mom mm-hmm. understood. That's the point, Jim. And, I, she, I, and she, she made you watch it. She didn't make me do anything. Okay. She didn't force me to sit down and watch this movie. So Kate, she coaxed you in. No, she didn't so either. One of the things that I personally don't really tolerate is rape. Yeah. I don't like... I mean, I love the movie The Hills Have Eyes, but right. that scene in the trailer mm-hmm. where that happens, I tend to skip past it. I find it it's not scary. It's just revolting yep and it's it's not entertaining in any way yep. so mark you have convinced me to never watch the entity thank you 
You're, but, you're welcome. <laughs> but that that actually harkens back, David Jack, to a conversation you and I had earlier in the week where I had the same issue with suicide. Right. Yeah. I, right. I have a hard time watching episodes that de- or um, scenes that depict suicide. Mm. And 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 my point of view is I'm very pragmatic. I always look at a movie, right, and say, okay, there's this awful scene, and then the director says, cut. And then the actors walk off, and they, you know, go get lunch or whatever. So, yeah, but like, I if just... I want to be scared, I'll watch the news, I'll watch documentaries, I'll read history. Yeah. Like, nothing really in a, a fictional movie bothers me. I don't care. It's just it's like... Not the fa- it's not really that. For me, it's the fact that it... Of all the things that could take place, of all the sorts of violence that can happen towards women, it's always rape in these movies. Like, they see a woman and go, oh, sweet, I can fit fit my dick in there. Uh, and I just think that that is, with the amount of, of, of rape that actually happens in real life, you know, watching the news, I just think that perpetuating that in film can be a little bit um, damaging, especially because there's a lot of rape porn um and i kind of see them as a little bit connected so for me it's just not a good thing and i think we all have subject matter so we all have subject matter we don't want we'd rather not watch on screen right mark and and i i agree and i think every like so for me i don't like to see dogs or animals being killed but you know that's that's my level but yeah. you know, when I think about it, like if I if I sit there and have like an umbrella thing over it, it's like, well, people will sit there and watch people be murdered, or tortured and murdered, mm. but they don't like sexual assault. And yeah. I, I think yeah. for some people, that's maybe from maybe experience that they've had or something, Personal which is this the boundary yeah. what they what they don't like. Um, yeah. Again, for me, it it's it's all fake. I, I, you know, I understand that it happens in real life and it's terrible. Yeah, and it, should, yeah. it shouldn't be glamorized. And right, I, I'm I'm trying to think of a horror movie where that happens and it's glamorized. I'm sure there is, but I, I, well, I think for the most part, it, it's portrayed as awful. Right? It's you, not you, no. So good. I mean, for for a movie, maybe. But I will tell you a shiny example of um, making uh, rape into something sensational is um, the soap opera general hospital in the eighties, two of their most popular characters started out their relationship by him raping her. And then they became the most popular characters on the TV show, got married uh, and everything. So, so that, that's weird. Uh, that's a yep. weird. Yeah, I've that. The, the only one that I can think of that got a lot of controversy is straw dogs back in the 70s, where they kind of portray that she was enjoying it. Um, uh, yeah. But I, 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 think in the, I, I think in most movies, it's not seen as glamorized. Mm. I mean, it could be ex- exploitative. Yep. But... The thing that um, I'm a bit stuck on at the moment is the fact that Jim watched General Hospital. My mother did. My mother was obsessed I... with it. And she always hated the fact that that's how that relationship started with between... I agree with you, David Jack. I am disgusted. I was sitting there at Jim's age watching Neighbors and Home and Away and enjoying their hijinks 
and he was sitting there watching some awful American soap opera. Unbelievable. I know. Disgusting. Disgusting. Shame, Jim. Shame. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. I don't mind. So oh, okay. I will say as well, Sorry. just to get to get off the topic of rape, because I think that that's um, not. I think a that's rape. a good idea. Yeah. yeah so um, just back to slashy horror press. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, we've got our 2024 schedule pretty much sorted now. So anyone nice. who is interested, they can expect to see um, one book per month for 2024 except for June, uh, um, July and December, because we're going to focus um, our energies on not burning out um, in, okay, those, two, fair in enough. those two months. Um, but so for the first five months and the last five months, sorry, that's my vacuum talking. Um, so, f- yeah, <laughs> so we're going to be producing, we're going to be publishing 10 books um, over the course of 2024. We've got one spot left, which might be filling up soon. Um, and can you guys hear the vacuum talking? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Is it a queer uh, vacuum? <laughs> um, it's, it's no, it's not. No, um, it, it does not identify. It's just stupid. Like at the moment it's saying there's some issue with the battery, but it's been on charge all night. So, you know, so, but yes, it, so we're going to be so publishing Dave, 10 books next year. Where can people go to find out more about Slasher Horror Press? Well, you can go to our Facebook page, Instagram. We're on Twitter. Um, I do videos on TikTok as well. Uh, we have a website, just slashercorrorpress.com, which where we list all our titles and there are links to um, for purchasing. You can just search in um, – when you go to Amazon, you can just put in the search bar, Slashy Power Press, and it will bring up all of our titles as well. Um, yep, there's also a nifty little follow button there. Yes, yes. You can follow us everywhere, um, even around the street if you want to. I mean, if you're inviting them, I'm sure they won't mind. That, that, <laughs> sounds, that, that sounds like the people that used to visit Jim in the movie theater. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Honestly, uh, you want extra okay. cheese on that popcorn, Jim? So, anyway, I brought up a list, David Jack. I would like you to uh, to discuss okay. with us, if you don't mind. So, we have the 15 best supernatural horror movies, and okay. we'll just discuss them as we go. They're that, not in any. That's a very what? that's a very broad stroke. It is, and just... they're not, they're not in any specific order. Okay, so it's just 15 horror movies. And the first one, Mark, you and I have talked about many, many times, is the 2004 remake of The Grudge. Yep. What did you think, David Jack? Um, Why put the remake on there rather than just the original? That's my question. I didn't make the list. I couldn't tell you. No, no, no. It's just a question for the ether, just to go out there to our... Both I, of did, our... I did like it. Um... I, yeah, I, I liked it. It's not something that I'd rush out and watch um, repeatedly, but I thought it had a decent story. Um, yep. I thought the acting was good. I didn't really think it was a very in-depth sort of look at what the grudge is, though. No. It, it's yeah. like a... Go ahead, Jim. 
No, go ahead, Mark. No, it's like kind of, you know, they tried to bring the Western part to it. Yeah. And um, even more so in the second part. Yeah. And it's like, just, just watch the original. The original is fun. The original is yep. good. I absolutely adore Sarah Michelle Gellar, so I will not hunt this movie down, but if it shows up, I'll watch it. it. it it's it's one of those movies. It? Hmm? Have, you, have you not seen it, Jim? No, no, I said I have, but it's not one that I'll go oh. searching to watch again. If it yeah, comes on, yeah. I'll watch it. Yeah, but yeah, I will yeah. not go looking for it. It's definitely if you flick through like channels or whatever, yep. and you want something on the background, it's to- totally fine. Mm. Yep. But not not in the top 15 supernatural art movies. Well, the next one I honestly have never gotten through. I've tried three times. It's The Innkeepers from 2011. Nah, boo. Uh, really? That's so boring. It's, I know. It is. It's so boring. And It's, ugh. it's what what the fuck's his name? Uh, I didn't like X. Um, oh, I Ty did, West. Uh, Ty West, yeah. yeah. Yes. I, uh, yeah. No, not for me. Yeah, I, I agree. I will say, though, I do like Sarah Paxton. As yeah, she, I usually... I agree. I do like Sarah Paxton. I did not like this film, though. It's so boring she does, and so drunk. She, she makes some odd choices for her roles, though. But you know what? Sometimes that defines somebody because they, they get known for doing odd stuff, so they wind up in some of the best films. This just was not one of those choices. Yeah, such as The Innkeepers. <laughs> as an actor, you'd be like, are you paying me? Okay, I'll, I'll do. Until right. you get to a certain level where you can pick and choose. This see the the next one, I don't think it's. This isn't a supernatural film. It's about aliens. It's called Dark Skies, from two thousand thirteen. Yeah, I actually really. It's like legitimately that. an alien movie. Mm. It, it's in no way, shape, or form a supernatural horror movie. I, I do so really thank like. You. It, yeah, yeah, it's a good movie. But thank you, Screen Rent, for being so off the mark with that one. So, so, so I'll say there's a number of goods. Um, like kind of alien abduction movies, mm-hmm. but yeah. the main flaw is no one knows how to end it. Right, never been a good ending to an alien abduction movie, even though some of the movies are pretty good. I agree. I will now, say that for um, no one will save you. That new one on uh, Disney, yeah, the ending Jim- for that was very strange to me. I didn't quite. Um, get that personally. So I have I haven't seen it, but I will. Jim refuses to watch it because he's so a it fan. was Let- a great movie. It and the actress, the the lead actress is excellent. I really like her, Caitlin Deaver. I think her name is. Um, but just the ending, I was my husband and I just went, huh. So um, it just didn't really fit and, the rest and, of the plot. So sorry, sorry. Go ahead, Jim. But I go. I, <laughs> so, I want to say something before I forget it. But you say it. Just say it. Just say it. No, no, no. Because it's not related to this movie. But I okay, really so, want to ask David Jackson. I just want to tell you my experience with this. No one will save you, right? So Mark and I had recorded a podcast, and I told him flat out, "I'm not going to watch it because it doesn't sound interesting to me at all." And then I walked out, and my husband's watching it. No, that's, that's not. I wound up watching. That's not what you said, Jim. You said you didn't want to watch it because there's no dialogue. Right. It didn't interest me because there's no dialogue. Yeah, but sure. like Hush has no dialogue in it. Basically. I've never seen it. Right, but why should you refuse to watch something 
because there's no dialogue. Maybe it's interesting. Maybe there's other things going on. I can tell you that did not interest me. I, what I watched, it was boring. So anyway, so yeah, anyway. <laughs> so 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 just talking about like Australian horror and stuff. Uh, before I forget, so a huge hit, obviously worldwide, especially in the U.S. in A24's Talk Talk to Me. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, sure. What, so so have you seen it? What do you think of it? I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> really? Um, look, I will say the acting is phenomenal. There's yep. no question about that. Um, I think everyone, whoever the lead actress was, I think she has a very big future in in film. Yep. yep. Phenomenal. Um, the storyline, I thought, was built on a bunch of fuckwits being fuckwits. So... They get this hand and they're like, they turn possession into a little party um, and just think it's all cool and whatnot. And um, I just thought it was really ridiculous. Like that, that is what they built the story around. There could have been much better ways to formulate the, the, the full story of her thinking that she was communicating with her mother and the, the draw that it had for her, I thought was a really good, um, part of the movie, but the the foundations and the setup, I thought was awful. So, so I think I totally agree with you, right? So, take the hand out, put a Ouija board in there. It's like yeah. a million other horror movies, right? Yeah. Um, but what I think was maybe different, and, and maybe why it resonated with foreign audiences, like US or whatever, compared to you. Is that it did have that um, different characters being more realistic um, and less kind of like cookie cutter that they would have if it was an American Ouija movie. Yeah. Um, But I will say that a lot of Australian audiences really do love it as well. I think generally it's got positive reviews. But but I think like, like my wife's. American, and she really enjoyed that aspect of it, right? You know, I grew up on Neighbors and Home and Away, so I'm totally, you know, versed in Australian culture. <laughs> she wasn't. So she liked that kind of down-to-earth sort of thing. But um, you know that Neighbors and Home and Away aren't reality TV. What? You know that that's not how we... We don't live like that. We don't all live at the beach and, like... It's not our lives. But what are you trying to tell me right now? <laughs> <laughs> well versed oh, in man. Australia. You've never even been here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've watched Home of the Way and Neighbors for a long, many, many years. <laughs> They're like documentaries, aren't they? No. Oh. <laughs> I, 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 I think what they did with it, again, it is kind of like, you know, they do the whole talk to me, hey, it's like going to a party and it's like taking drugs wrong. That's the whole analog of, hey, we do this, we kind of get like a, a rush off of it, and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. um, I really enjoyed it. Um, yep. I don't think it's the best movie ever, but I'm really glad that certainly in the US, there was a very positive um, 
reaction to something that wasn't made in the US because yeah. I think yeah. it's a very, very like you get people here. Uh, I don't want to read subtitles, or I don't want to what you know. They'll wait for the American remake. Yeah, like no, just go out and watch the original. It's fine. But so, Jim, I I do agree with Mark. It, it there was nothing incredibly original about that film, but I thought what they did, they did really, really well. Yeah, look, I mean, it it just it's I still have, Wolf Creek too. Oh god, I just don't. Um, I think the sort of characters that were in that movie are not the sort of people that I would want to hang out with. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't really resonate with any of the characters. Like I wasn't rooting for anyone. Right. And for me, the ending was, was very predictable, but I'm, I'm notorious for picking endings. So, but that one for me was like, that that was predictable. I I think the mother was the best character in the, um, where she was going into the rooms and like, hey, what time's the party at? Oh what? yeah, yeah, Miranda Otto. <laughs> yeah, that, that was Miranda Otto. She's amazing. <laughs> yeah, she's like, what? So, so when is everyone when everyone coming around for the party? And what I mean party? the the little brother <laughs> who um, was the one that got all fucked up. He, like, his acting was flawless. Mm-hmm. Um. But I thought, like, they, you know, they get to the hospital and they've got this little hand there with them at the hospital and it's like, let's just do it now, like, in this room and with this guy that's on, on death's door. And I'm like, what? None of the choices you're making um, are actually it's, making any sense. It's, it's got one of those problems, which I don't like in movies. It's um, like a zombie movie, right? So you have a character who sees an obvious zombie who is, you know, they used to be their mom or dad or whatever. Oh, no, no, no. I have to try and save you. No, they're a fucking <laughs> zombie. You can't save them. Don't yeah, shoot them in the head. And, and the main character was like, oh, it's my mom. Like, and maybe it works for people that aren't kind of versed in horror and maybe it's their first time going to watch a movie. I'm like, no, you don't believe that. You don't believe these things. No, no. Yeah. Anyway, so, sorry, Jim. Okay. It's okay. What's next on the list, Jim? <clears throat> next on the list is a, a, a movie that I thought was very good. It's from 1999. It's Stir of Echoes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I could watch that again. Yeah. I, I can honestly say I think I've seen it a total of three times since I saw it in theaters, and I still think it's a fantastic film. So, You've only seen it three times, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I've watched it a couple of times, and it's a movie I really liked, but it's never a movie which I feel I need to go back and watch again. Mm. But yeah. whenever somebody brings it up, I'm like, I should watch it again. Yeah. But that's yeah, sort of I like stigmata made... for me. I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Agreed. story was simple, mm-hmm. but really effective. Yep. And um, it had a lot of really interesting... Uh, themes in it you know the, yep. the, the son had the red door thing or whatever it was um, his whole life and all that sort of the glimpse into the afterlife and the impact yep. it has on Kevin Bacon and um, now the sequel to that never was saw re- there was that was really bad was it yeah, yeah. I feel there was, there was a number of movies around that time like the sixth sense 
this one. Uh, what's the one with Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer? In it? What lies yeah. beneath? What lies beneath? With, with the white noise. Yep, yep, yep. Well, a lot of big Hollywood movies with kind of a similar premise, but they were all pretty good. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, What Lies Beneath had both Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer going for it. You really couldn't strike out unless the story was absolute garbage. Yeah. It was good. Good enough. Yep. Good enough for a Hollywood movie. <laughs> Do you have something against Hollywood, Mark? <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, big budget Hollywood horror movies are generally pretty bland. Sort of like our Nature. next our next entry on the list, which is the Black Coat's Daughter from 2017. I've seen it. I haven't even heard of it. I've gotten through. I've tried again. Tried twice. I can't get through 30 minutes. It's boring it? as shit. The, the Black Coat's the, Daughter. The Black Coat's Daughter with Emma Roberts. And that's like a Netflix thing. That wasn't even. Oh, uh, that'll be why I haven't seen it because we I don't have Netflix. Yeah, uh, it's on, it's on the the, the 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 it's on Fubu right now. We don't have that here. Yeah, I don't. I don't. We don't have I've it here. So literally, never even heard of Fubu. <laughs> well, it, it's a service that's available in the United States. I've never watched it or, or know anybody. We that don't uses have Hulu. It. We don't have Fubu. We don't have Juju. Like we don't have it. <laughs> okay. Really? Wow, <laughs> that's insane. So what streaming services do you use to watch to oh, consume well, your horror, to, sir? Australia is all of um, UK's prisoners. That's where they all came from. Not all then of you us. Should... So we have to, well, no, the indigenous people are different. No, but I wasn't, I'm technically a Kiwi. Oh, yeah. Uh, An yes, all black. I have, I have a New Zealand citizenship. I don't have Australian citizenship. Even though so I was born so you're a Peter Jackson fan? No. What? <laughs> um, so we have um, Binge. Do you have Binge? No. Nope. Okay. So it's like Foxtel. Do you have Foxtel? No. No. <laughs> so we've got um, Prime Video, Amazon Prime Video. Yeah, we got that. Um, we've got Paramount Plus, we've got AMC yep. Plus, we've yep. got Disney, obviously, we've got um, Stan, which is, I know it, that's a that's an Australian-owned one. Which one has um, Neighbours on the way on it? Uh, I think Netflix has the new Neighbours on it. What? <laughs> Not the US. I'm sorry, David Jack, um, just so you know, those are the only two things he knows that are Australian, so that's all he's going to talk about whenever Australia comes up. I have noticed oh, he mentions it quite a lot. I grew up with him. <laughs> I'm Kylie Minogue. I mean, I mm-hmm. will say I did like Toadie. I liked Toadie as a character. Yep. Do you, you, do you know who Toadie is? No. I don't. Jared Rebecca from Neighbours, the show that you're, like, completely obsessed with? So... I, I will say that I was obsessed with Home and Away and Neighbors in the 80s, early 90s, before I yeah, left. Yeah, that's, that's the prime weekend. time of Toadie. Oh, um, have, you seen, have, you, have you seen Body Melt? Uh, yeah, but that's got nothing to do with Toadie. You're trying no, to change what, it. <laughs> what was the guy's name um, that was in, he was in Neighbors. He was like Harold or something. Oh, Harold, he was, he was so cute. I, re- I, I remember, like, Body Melt came out, and I, it blew my freaking mind. 
Bonnie, no, not Biddy. Okay, hang on. Yeah, he's looking at Bonnie Mel. I think his name was Ian somebody. Gerald Kennedy, Andrew Datto. Uh, hang on. Oh, look, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Ian Smith. Ian Smith. Yeah, legend. Acting legend. I don't Um, know who that is. He played Harold Bishop. Yes! Yeah, great. So what's the next one on the list, Jim? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So next up is a movie I have not seen, so I'm not going to speak to it at all. It's called uh, Host. It's uh, 2020. Um, yeah, that's the Jap- Jap- Japanese one or Korean? No, no, no. This is a, a American version. So there was host, the host, super host. There was a lot <laughs> of host. This is a oh. Rob Savage movie from 2020, and it all takes place on Zoom. Oh, yes. Yeah, I've seen that. I actually liked it. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was an interesting, because it was filmed through COVID, right? So I thought it was yeah. an interesting way to... Kind so of keep things going. It was like that and unfriended, and there was like a few of yeah. those just strictly over Zoom, which I thought um I thought it was clever. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought most of them worked that I saw. Yeah. Um even, and I thought, even though unilaterally yeah. <laughs> the acting was pretty bad, but like Whatever. Yeah, but I mean, it was sort of relatable in the fact that that w- that was what our lives were like at the time. Mm-hmm. We were all in lockdown. You know, that was the only way we could Plus, connect with life people. Is like right now, literally right now. What you're in lockdown? No, we're, we're on like a Zoom call. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. But look behind you. There's something there, Jim. Do you see it? Yeah, I have Pazuzu and I have two alien queens back there. <laughs> I have a little face hugger there too. <laughs> Michael Myers is down here at my shoulder. But I liked how it sort of um, it capitalized on the social tensions at the time of yeah. you know the fear of not being able to connect, and then when you finally do connect, it's only digitally. And then what happens when that goes completely wrong? Right. Um, so I thought I thought that host was quite good. Yeah. Yep. And I, I can't speak to it because I haven't seen that one yet. So. Next. And oh fuck me. <laughs> Mark? Yes. It's your favorite movie from 1980. Thelma. The Changeling. Yep. Oh, the Changeling. With George so C. David, Scott. David Jack. Um, have you seen The Changeling? Yes. So what do you think about George C. Scott in that movie? Uh not much. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. I mean, can can you change your opinion? So that oh, look, he mean? was phenomenal. Yeah, flawless acting. I wanted I to marry the guy. Um, you know, he can change yeah. me any day. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, Jim, let's let, let's move on after that positive review. <laughs> right, because George T. Scott can't emote his way out of a wet paper bag. Anyway. <laughs> Next is a, another movie I haven't seen, mostly because I don't like the lead actress. Uh, Personal Shopper from 2016. Not seen it. No, nope. never seen it. It tells the story of Maureen, a woman dealing with the death of her brother. Who's it's, the uh, actress? From Twilight? Is it from... Um, it is. It's Kristen Stewart. 
She was really, really good. In, she was really good in underwater. I really. I was liked literally her. just going to say that underwater was okay. I loved it. I loved how yeah. it was a um, a Cthulhu Love story. That that did make the movie much much better when they added the Cthulhu arc to it. I mm, thought it was but, I thought it was fantastic, but for most of the movie, it's it's essentially alien underwater. No, and I'm sorry, like her performance, I haven't seen her. Yet. Her, that's the problem. No, she was cool. She was really good. I, yeah. I don't like I don't like her in yeah. general. I have not seen her in anything else. And, you know, you know, this whole Twilight thing it, and this and that. But she wanna, was really good in it. If you want to see her in a really good movie, watch The Messengers. I think it was from like 2006. Yeah, that she was really good in. She was good, and then, and that was it. No, she was in Panic Room. Panic Room. Yeah. She's. How could you say that anything was good in that movie? That movie was terrible. No, shush, shush. My husband (laughs) just walked past. He loves it. Shh. Okay. Um, but what was really (laughs) Panic Room with Jodie Foster? Jodie Foster and Kristen Stewart. Well, I don't know. Like I saw it back in the day, I never connected the dots. I never um, would have. Anywho, I, I, I didn't remember that. So <laughs> the the one of the actors in um, Underwater that I really don't like is T.J. Miller. Yep. Yeah. And I thought he was completely wrong for that role. Don't know who he had sex with to get it, but they they sacrificed all of their dignity or forced to have sex with. I mean, he's just not... I don't know yeah. how he exists. I don't like him. <laughs> Sorry. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, so, the next movie is a cinematic masterpiece. I don't care who you are, and if you say anything bad, I'm just going to cut the interview off right now. God. Uh, it's, it's awful, Jim. I hate it. It's not going to be Poltergeist or something. Yeah, It is, yes. <laughs> I love Poltergeist. Not the remake, for fuck's sake. No, not, not the... the remake. The original 1982. Oh, thank God. Yeah. yeah. Look, I love the the original. It, I absolutely love it. It is far and away the best Toby Hooper film you'll ever see. Uh, right, Mark? Right, Mark? He's gone. <laughs> yeah, he hates Toby Hooper with a passion. Why? He's still... He 100% believes that Steven Spielberg did all the directing for um, Poltergeist. Didn't he? No. (laughs) I know. I I don't know if he's just ignoring us or what he's doing. But next on our list is going to be 2007's Emily Blunt vehicle, Windchill. Um, Was that where she was stuck in the car during a snowstorm? I don't know. She is in a snow. There's a lot of snow around her, but I have not seen this film, so I don't know. I do think I've seen it. Did that have Josh... Oh, yeah, yeah. Share a ride home for the holidays. They break down. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Okay. Was it good? And it doesn't I mean, have I'm... the guy from Lost in it, so I got that wrong. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I actually liked it. Yeah, I thought it was quite good. I, I tend to like Emily Blunt in whatever she's in. Uh, yes, I really, really like that movie. Did you? I yeah. haven't watched it yet. I actually, this is the first time I've and, ever heard about it. So, and, and this was one where, like, it's before she got famous. Yep, I watched it back in the day, and then like I'm like, is I thought of I'm like, is that the same person? And, and then I w- went back and rewatched. I'm like, it is wild. She, you know, because she's playing an American student in it. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, 
Um, really think- good, really interesting. Um, Snowbound. Um, why are you taking this uh, car back with this guy? But um, yep, really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, very much. Nice. I enjoyed it. Nice. And next up is a movie we sort of brushed upon earlier is 2014's The Taking of Deborah Logan. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic film. Yeah, I, I can't say enough. That's a really underappreciated movie, I think. I, I never hear anybody talk about it. And now we're not talking about it at the moment. So. <laughs> right. Give me a minute. It, I still have to scroll. It, it, it's one of those movies like The Void. Have you seen The Void? Yeah. Um, I watched 10 minutes of it and turned it off. Oh, it's 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 really really good, but it's it's or uh, we're still here. That it's one another, I have not seen yet. Another uh, that one's Fulci esque and it's really good. But these are like mid tier, upper tier, lower budget movies, mm-hmm. which people tend to miss for you know the the mainstream garbage that is being yeah. pumped out. Yeah. So next we have 2007's Dead Silence. Oh yeah, Ryan Quantum. Let's go. Yeah, he's so great. In that. Yeah, James Wan. Mm-hmm. It's one of his earlier movies. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. I thought it was great. It was creepy. The only movie that uses a a ventriloquist doll better is Magic with Anthony Hopkins. I haven't seen that. So so, so I, I have some problems with. Um, dead silence mostly that when the guy's like okay this uh weird ventrilo- <laughs> ventriloquist doll is mm-hmm. actually haunted i'm going to drive back to the town right and figure it all out but he he like sits the ventriloquist doll in the passenger seat next to him <laughs> like what the <laughs> fuck are you doing stick him in the fucking trunk or the, <laughs> the thing that i I didn't like was the ending of that movie because obviously mm-hmm. it gets you when you scream and he never screams right. throughout the whole, whole movie until right at the end. And it's like, you've gone all this time, literally years of your life learning about this as a kid, blah, blah, blah. And then you fall off this thing at the end in the theater and that's when you scream. Come on. Right. It, 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 it's kind of like a lot of the James Wong. Um, like supernatural ones, like Insidious, Conjuring, and stuff, right? Okay, the first movies were pretty good. You put them on. Okay, we'll watch it. Oh, yeah, I enjoyed it enough. You know, obviously, both of those went on to make a bunch of different sequels. But, you know, I kind of like it whenever he did the uh, Malignant um, to do something a little bit different, right? right so yeah. it's kind of a throwback to Giallo and a throwback to... 80s body horror, you know, going back to the body horror stuff like Frank Hennenlotter. Um yeah. So I like that he's like, and, and he did that revenge movie with Kevin Bacon too. What was that called? Revenge uh, movie. Um, de- they, death they sentence? Slash them? No, Death Sentence? I don't know that yes, one. Death Sentence. Yeah. Okay. I look at director slash writer that does Different things, right? You know, mm-hmm. somebody is pigeonholed into one, like, oh, yeah. this, this ghost movie and, forever. But now right. he's doing Aquaman, so. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, well, he did the first one. The first one was a bit of a mess for me, but it was, it was okay for DCEO. Who knows? I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, me either. It, the, the first one, it's got. Uh, Patrick Wilson in it too. Don't try mm-hmm. to sell it to us. We're not going to watch it. No, uh, 
Well, it, it's okay. <laughs> so, so, so if you look at the DCEU, right, it's a bit I of a I don't want to. This movie's like, okay, but they try to shove, like, 14 different plot lines into it. Like, no, not so much. I have a huge problem with Patrick Wilson. I like Patrick Wilson as an actor. My problem with him is that nobody should look that good and be able to sing like that. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> it's Again, disgusting. I'm the, I'm the minority in this podcast. So <laughs> well, he's not my type. I'll, I'll say that. Hey, I, at this point, it doesn't matter for me for type. I just think he's very attractive, and he is—he has like an the angel. Voice. He's not a piece of meat, Jim. He's a human being with feelings and emotions. Uh, no, he is a piece of meat. We all are. Oh, yeah, pretty much. We're all skinnies, right? Right, David Jack? Don't ruin it. Jim. <laughs> so next on our list is uh, a movie that I think was absolutely abysmal. Uh, 2021's Antlers. No, I fucking yeah. love that movie. I'm sorry for you. I, 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 I'm going to be the weird in-between person, right? Um the ham in the gym and David Jackson, I guess. <laughs> you know, <laughs> inclusive. Um, I thought it was okay. So it, here's well, my right. here's here's the issue I have with this movie, right? Like I, I I enjoyed the creature feature aspect of this film. Like towards the end. I enjoyed that. What I did not enjoy was trying to see Carrie Russell portray a drug addicted mother, a drug addicted bad mother. She's not believable at all in that role. What, uh, I, I don't know. That, I, that's I that's a weird flex, Jim. I, I thought it was to me that I think she was that she was not suited for that role, and she did not do a good job. What I love about it, other than everything, is the um, <laughs> <laughs> is the 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 landscape mm-hmm. where the where where the, where the film is set yep. matches perfectly the tone of the characters and their emotional state. So it is dark, it is gloomy, it's rainy, it's un um it's not uh, what what am I trying to say? It's um it's uneven terrain. Mm-hmm. And I thought that the emotional states of the characters were all over the place, but they were also very firmly trapped within that um that grimness that has latched attached itself to them and i thought that the the creature feature aspect was not necessarily the point of the film at all um <laughs> the, the parts I, that i like didn't matter that that can just no, go away not, not that they don't I'm, matter I'm kidding, but I'm it's, kidding, David it's not the point of it <laughs> so i just thought it was very well structured as a film it was put together beautifully the dialogue all that stuff I thought was excellent. The the kid in it, and I don't really like kids in, as a rule, but he was a phenomenal actor. Um, and the way that he portrayed that situation in his house, like a like a a shift on domestic violence almost, mm-hmm. um, was I just thought it was very clever as a film. So maybe you just didn't get it, Jim. Maybe, maybe I'm just not <laughs> no, intelligent. I'm not, I'm t- I'm not I'm intellectual totally enough, and that's okay. No, no, that's I'm okay. joking. <laughs> I know, I know. Don't worry, I'm not that sensitive, I promise. Mark, you have anything you want to say? In my head, because it came out relatively close to each other, I, I'm always like antlers and the ritual. 
and they both feature kind of this Wendigo type creature with antlers. <laughs> um, I, I I thought the ritual was much more entertaining. Uh, really, but, but antlers was okay. So, it, it Mark, right. Mark, Mark, wait, hang on a second. You said they came out relatively close to each other. Can you define that time period for me? In my head, it was like two minutes from each other. When they They're were, four years apart. Yeah. 2017, 2021. Uh, whenever I think about um, the relic. Right. And, yeah. And, um, what's the Gail Mudel Taro one with the bugs? Mimic. In yeah. my head, they're very close your, together. Yeah, I agree with that. Close together. Yep. So, and they had similar themes. So yep. They, and, they, four year, and, and three to four years is really not that big of a stretch. I'm just giving you a hard time. Yeah, as usual. Yeah, it's pretty Always. big. Time difference. <laughs> and the last one on this list, it has everybody's favorite child in it. Mark? Hilary Duff. No. I was being Everybody facetious. Is Bob? Is Mark, Bob Mark, from, fuck, is Mark, Bob Mark, from, fuck Bob. No, we're talking you're about, alone, you fucker. We're Did talking about the... Bob. No, we're talking about the Babadook. Everybody hates the kid in the movie. Everybody oh, hates him. Right. No, I see. I am. I totally fucking disagree with people hating that kid. Well, it's okay to be wrong, Mark, but please continue. No, 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 because the kid is supposed to be annoying. That's the whole fucking point. The mother I, if, losing her fucking mind because that I, kid is fucking out of control. If I was that mother, I would have fed that fucking kid to the Babadook. Right, right. right you, here, a, you can have him. Wait, so so, wait. so we, could, we could talk about horrible kid actors in horror movies, and I'll say the blind kid in the Langoliers is the worst fucking kid in a horror movie. That but, whole movie should have just not happened. But the Babadook, the whole point is she's losing her fucking mind because the kid is fucking nuts. That's the point. If you have a kid that's not fucking annoying, then there's no movie. Because the thing. this mother's just going fucking crazy because the kid's just sitting in the corner, like, minding his own business. I don't know. I, so it, I think the Babadook is actually uh, a really... I didn't really like the movie, but I think it is a really good um, text to examine in terms of portrayals of disability. Mm -hmm. Because that kid's not just out of control and he's not just right. annoying. Right. He is, um, I think he's autistic. Yeah. Uh, and that's, yeah. he portrays that very, very yeah. real, with a lot so, of realism. Yeah. yeah. So. And that's, and that's why she's like losing her shit for a lot of it, right? Because she's so trying like, to help him, right? From, a, from an audience perspective, I can see, mm -hmm. yes, that's annoying, but, um, the actual dynamics are so mm -hmm. spot on in that movie um, that I think it deserves a bit more credit um, from people who just say, oh, the kid was fucking annoying. You know, like maybe do That's... a little bit of, of field work or ethnography mm -hmm. maybe into what it's like to live with someone with that. Or, or, um, I, I, totally, I totally agree. I do. Believe me. Even under, like you don't even have to go into that level. Understand what the movie is presenting to you. Well, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah, the movie is presenting this kid who's 
on on a spectrum, right? right. And it's obvious for everyone, and that's why it, the tension's there. And then you add a supernatural part to it. Mm. You know what, but kid? I did find a little. That that's was... the first. Sorry, go ahead. Um, the David. kid in Darkness Falls. Remember that movie? Yep. Uh, and you know fair. what? I'm surprised it's not on the list of the 15. <laughs> that's a very weird top 15 list of supernatural movies. Yeah, I was it is. It is a very different. Like, list. There's no, there's no um, Legend of Hell House, right. Poltergeist, uh, The Haunting, the original. Right. Um, yeah, that's that's a pretty bad look. That's like a Gen Z. I don't know. What's the newest generation? The Gen Alpha. I, I don't know if I can. What? what a... Gen Alpha or or the generation in elementary school? Uh, right uh, I don't care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the so one I... one supernatural film that I really liked recently uh-huh. was is it the Night House? Yes, I love that movie. Very good movie. Mm. Loved it. I don't think I've seen the Night House. I keep confusing it with um, the underwater one. So, so the Night House is it's it's like a murder mystery. Okay. Yeah. But but and, and my wife's a teacher, so it's funny. And I showed her the part where it's a woman whose husband has passed away, and she's living in their house, which he kind of built recently. But she's a teacher, and. Yes. <laughs> She, you know, she just lost her husband, and um, some fucking Cameron Mark walks in and starts fucking talking to her about, oh, why is my little Johnny not got fucking an A on this? And she's like, <laughs> fuck you! My fucking husband <laughs> just fucking dying. Get the fuck out of here. I it's remember that amazing. scene. <laughs> it's amazing. I have to, I have to look that up. I, I always, whenever anybody brings it up, I always get it confused with that horrible movie, The Deep House. <laughs> the Deep House is pretty good. It is oh, not good. They, don't know. They it. go scuba diving into a haunted house. Oh, no. right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the conceit. Yeah, they're, you know, kind of run with it or, you know, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I could not pull myself into that movie enough to actually care about anything yeah, that happened. But, but the lead actress in The Night House was. Amazing! I loved her performance. I'll have to look mm. that up. What um, what I find interesting about that into the deep house thing um, was I didn't see it, but I know what it's about. Um, is that there are real towns like that where yeah. um, I don't think we have that in Australia, and I find that really interesting. Yep, they um, had that. So why that... can't so why no. can't it be haunted? Yeah, no, well, they. They they had that movie with Christian Slater in it, and it's not or was it Keanu Reeves, but it wasn't a horror movie. But it's the same the same sort of setup, where it's like this town that just got flooded mm-hmm. uh, because they had to like build a dam or whatever. Right. Art Stephen Ray was in it. Okay, go ahead. I'm gonna I don't look know. It up. But I so. <laughs> I I find the history of the flooded towns very very intriguing. What I don't find intriguing is that somebody's actually going to go diving because they hear that one of them is haunted. 
Oh, I don't okay. know. I mean, it's a bit so, of a different so, take. So the movie is, sorry uh, to interrupt, uh, 1999's In Dreams by Yeah, Neil that's, that's got um, Annette Benning in it. That's one of my, I love that movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Junior. That's yeah. Robert Downey Jr., right? Yeah, it's not yeah. Christian Slater. No, I know. I was thinking about the other one that is raining all the time. <laughs> Hard Rain? <laughs> yes. That's the one. I know, I know, I know. Oh god! Yeah, they, and he they, they go together, right? Yeah, eleven o'clock in the morning over there, but it's o'clock at night. Well, did oh you, you panty waste? Have a couple of dreams, mate. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? That fa- uh, uh, no, never mind. I was going to bring up Foster's beer, but I don't. I I understand Australians don't actually drink Fosters. I I'm not a beer drinker anyway. So um. Anyway, I do have one more list if you guys want to talk about it. This is uh, 10 great Edgar Allan Poe adaptations to celebrate the fall of the House of Usher. Eh. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to lie. Most of these I haven't seen, but the first well, one on here. Well, why don't we do um, like best Australian horror movies? We can do that. Hang on one second. How many have you, how many have you even seen oh. any Australian movies? Oh, me? Other than, other than Wolf Creek. What have you got? Okay. So, <laughs> uh, number one is The Babadook. Yeah, okay. Other than that, which we talked about. Number two, The Loved Ones. Oh, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I love it. Yep. Really good. Um, I have not seen this one. This is 1971's Wake and Fright. Yeah, it's kind of whatever. One. Uh, it's seven it. Kind of boring. I haven't seen this one either. Sissy? 2022? Yeah. Next. Okay, we talked about <laughs> Talk to Me. Uh, 2020's Relic. You know, I was looking is at that. That, a... that looks interesting. Is that Australian? It says uh, it is. It's, it's it's on this list of Australian horror movies. So well, see, just... sometimes it's hard to tell because we do do a lot of filming in Australia these days. So is it a case that it was just filmed here? Who's in it? Uh, we would need to reach out to Rotten Tomatoes for this list to confirm. Yeah, see, I'm looking at Collider. It's on the same thing. Relic. Oh, yeah. Okay. So... Look, I mean, that's what that's what I would call. It's not Australian. I would say it's quite kind of like a transnational. It's got Emily Mortimer in it. Yep, Bella Heathcote. Robin like Devin. it's not so, Australian yeah, I, per se. I just Google this. I'm surprised I only know like a couple of these so far. So, so I've got some recommendations for you. Yeah. Okay. Um, Wormwood. Yes, love it. And the sequel. Is not as good, but it's still pretty good. Have you seen um, Necro Necrotronic? Yeah. Yep. I really actually good. went to the um, I went to the premiere opening of that movie, and the directors and some of the actors were there. It was a lot of fun. Um, so the thing with Wormwood, it's like zombie movies are like kind of played out, right? But what they did was they added it. It's like zombies are fuel. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. That's yeah. what we need. And Necrotronic was just, just uh, again, just a, 
really wildly original, Oops. almost Ghostbusters. Yeah, it, was re- it was so much fun. And I yeah. love where the guy is trying to get his powers to work and he's going, ah, 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 and he goes, oh, I feel like I'm going to shit myself. <laughs> but, but, but again, this is where I think Australian horror um, is kind of a little different from, it's more quirky, right? Um, you do have those characters that are just like, what the fuck? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you don't really get that like in mainstream American uh, movies. They're all like, yeah. they all talk like they're written rather than talk yeah. like people talk. <laughs> we do have, I feel like we sort of highlight um, classic Australianisms um, in films like that because they're intended for... Um, you know, broader markets than just us. Right. So in Wormwood, you've just got those really classic sort of um, phrases and, you know, I, I find I found it very relatable <laughs> as a well, viewer. Yeah, I, it is. And again, the talk to me and stuff, it's, it's very like, they seem like real people. Even if they're doing weird stuff, they talk kind of like real people. Yeah. Um, so the next one on this list, which is one which I kind of just like came across by accident, and I ended up really fucking loving it, and it's 2020's Bloody Hell. I haven't it's seen it. I don't know if I've seen that one. Oh, it, it's it's <laughs> like the main guy in this is like awesome. Um, definitely look it up. 2020's Bloody Hell. Megan Fraser and. Ben O'Toole. Ben O'Toole, yes. I saw them shudder a while ago. And again, it was like a random pick. I was just called Bloody Hell. I had this, oh, okay. Well, it's... that is a phrase that we use a lot in Australia. Bloody hell, mate. It is, yeah. We don't say flame and galah, but we do say bloody hell. Don't be flame and galah. We do I not. Just... I don't know what any of that means, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, 2016's Hounds of Love. Nope, don't know that one. There's Points. one that um, that Lee Winnell did, and it was about a group of people tracking the um, tracking a sighting of the Tasmanian um, devil. And it was so that's an Australian movie filmed in Tasmania, which is a beautiful part of the country. Um, and that wasn't bad. That was a good one. We'll, we'll see if it's on this list because I'm just going to uh, 2017's Cargo. Yeah, see, again, like, I think it's not necessarily Australian. The lead character in that, the lead actor is British or something. Oh, it's Martin Freeman. Yeah, the guy yeah. from um, yeah, 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 yeah. Lord of the Rings. Sherlock uh, Holmes. Yeah. The Office. Yeah. Been in a bunch of <laughs> shit, yeah. Oh, okay, <laughs> this, this is this is a movie I haven't seen. Oh, what about Rogue? Have you seen Rogue? Yes, yes. With no, um, I keep wanting to watch Rada it every Mitchell. time I see it come up. I love Rada Mitchell. Yeah. Yes. I'm gonna and I watched another one the other day called Black Water, which was yes, horror. yes. And, and I there, enjoyed that one. I need to look both of those up. There's a sequel to that one too, which I watched. Was it? Is it called Really Black Water? It's yeah. called very, very dark water. <laughs> um, so the next one I know about 
this actual case. You probably know what it is. Um, I haven't seen the movie yet, uh, but I know how disturbing the case was. Uh, this is 2011's The Snowtown Murders. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's horror. Uh, well, I mean, the, the incident was horrible. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, next, next up, 2019's Little Monsters. Oh, I love yeah. that movie. That was, was a great fun. movie. It was, it was a lot of fun. Not it was. It. It's great, Mark. You got to watch it. But I mean, that's the one with Josh Gad, right? Yes. Yes. So you know, how Australian does it have to be to be Australian? Like, he wasn't playing an, an Aussie guy. Like, he was an American guy in Australia. So, so, so whatever Rotten Tomatoes says for this list is Australian. But it's like it's filmed in Australia. Australia. Um, I, I knew some people who worked on it and were extras in it. Um, yep. I don't know them well, so I can't get them on the show for you. But um, damn! But it's my question is really like, but how Australian does it need to be to be Australian? Like so, Rogue, for instance, that's got um, Michael, whatever his face is, from Alias in it. But he's only a, he, he's a main character, but it's about the Australian landscape and Australian culture and things like that. Right. So for me, that's an Australian film. But when you've got something that's just filmed in Australia, um, but it is mostly like an Americanized type thing, which from my memory was what Little Monsters was, yeah. it doesn't really seem like an Australian so, film. So, well, so, most, they're but, defining but, it like Mark does, where if the director or the production company is from a foreign country, then it's a foreign film. But I mean, like one of the Pirates of the Caribbean films was made in Queensland. So is is that an Australian movie now? So, so, so it, it, to me, and um, yes, me and Jim have had this discussion before. We have. It's not so much about the location it was shot in. It's about the production company. Because if you go to like the Oscars or any of these, uh, like blah, blah, blah. That's how they define <laughs> Like, where the funding is coming from is a lot of it. Follow the trail, David Jack. Follow the money. Oh, what? Hang on. So, so, you know, I'm from Northern Ireland, right? I live in the U.S. If I had a if I win the lottery, I'm making a movie about um, something based in Norway. Well, what, how do you determine where that's from? Right. So, my thing would be, like I said before, is it like with Rogue, it focuses on the landscape and, um, you know, a Australian creature or, you know, that's native to, to Australia. It focuses on um, Australian culture, um, you know, the same as Wolf Creek, very much Australian, but it doesn't matter where the funding so came from or who the director is. Do you think Braveheart is a Scottish movie? No. But it's based in Scotland, all about Scottish <laughs> people. So, yeah, that's my point. It's it's not it's like not a really it's not a very good point though, to be honest, because <laughs> <laughs> because so, Braveheart, like, I is it Australian? No, no. Well, but neither is Mel Gibson, it, by the it way. Was, <laughs> it was, Directed and starring an Australian guy. No, Mel Gibson's not Australian. We claimed him. He's originally from New Zealand. Same as Russell Crowe. Well, it's all the same for us uh, non-Antipodean people. 
<laughs> well, that's your problem. That's not my problem. No, right, exactly. <laughs> but, but it's not. It, it's not a Scottish film. So, what's next on your list? Okay. Yes. Moving. Moving on. Moving uh, right along. Um, number twelve is uh, 2016's Killing Green. Oh, I think I, I saw that. Never seen it. Never heard of it. Um. Yeah. No, I, I think I did. But it's one of those ones that it sounds very familiar. I can't tell you what it's about, so it obviously wasn't memorable. This is very. I guess it's just going by like how popular or um, how high of a rating um, on Rotten Tomatoes. But uh, next of kin, nineteen eighty-two, with John Jarrett in it. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised that Picnic at Hanging Rock hasn't come up yet. Right. No, that's what I'm thinking. Or Wolf Creek, or you know, a number of different ones. Uh, 2011's The Tunnel. Don't know it. It's got a hundred percent score on Rotten Tomatoes. Or tomatoes. And how many? How many views is that? How many ratings? I have no idea. It's like one person rated it. It was the main star. <laughs> the next one is a movie which I heard about a lot um, a while ago, but I've never seen. Is 2007 Storm Warning. Have you heard of that one? Storm warning? Yeah. The only one that I can think of is the one that's got Ashton Kutcher in it. No. Uh, Nadia Ferris, John Brumpton, Robert Taylor. Yeah, okay, uh, next. <laughs> uh, next one is a movie which I didn't really like, uh, but I haven't seen it in a long time, which is Lake Mungo. Yeah, that was really boring. I have to say, yeah. I can't say I've, I can't say I remember ever watching it. I know I've seen the the cover art and stuff, but I've never watched it. There, there is a horror movie that was filmed um, more up around my area, um, and it's about you know those old old myths about um, you know seeing a a person walking up walking along the road, the side mm-hmm. of the road by a cemetery or, or or a graveyard. Yeah, don't pick them up. And don't pick them up. It's a, yeah. it's um, an Australian movie about that. I think it's called. Oh God, I've got. My brother-in-law's parents used to live there. It's named after a suburb, anyway. And um, but all the actors are Australian, pretending to be American tourists. <laughs> and it was it was awful. <laughs> so. Um, the next one, uh, totally um, Australian um, actors in this, uh, Stacey Keach and Jamie Lee Curtis in uh, 1981's Road Games. Yeah, that was that was pretty boring, um, if, I have to say. Um, if Razorback isn't on this list, I'm going to flip out. Um, Razorback is, like, is so... Lame. I, I don't know why. No, Razorback was great back in the day. Yeah. So the key phrase there is "back in the day." Yeah. 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 <laughs> it does not stand the test of time. And if you watch it now, you just go, "Oh God." I, I've been watching it since back in the day. So. Uh, okay. We talked about 2007's Rogue. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brian Mitchell. Uh, we talked about Wormwood Apocalypse. Yep, that was the sequel. Yep. Uh, oh, uh, Sam Neill, Nicole Kidman, Billy Zane. Oh, Dead calm. yeah, on the, on the boat. Dead yeah. Calm. Great movie. Mm. Uh, next is just the first Wormwood. Uh, we talked about Blackwater. Oh, this is, the next one is one of my favorite shark movies. Do we Jaws? know it? <laughs> The Australian Jaws. Oh, um, uh, oh my God. The one about the surfer. What's her name? No. And, and they did, they did a sequel, um, recently, which wasn't very good. This Wait, is, you know, it's this not, is, um, Deep Blue Sea. Now, this is 2010's The, the Reef. The Reef, yeah. Oh, The Reef. Oh, God. I never even... Oh, it's really good. It's really I need good. To, I need to watch it because I love shark movies. Yeah, and they put The Reef uh, stopped, which is uh, the sequel after it, and that wasn't very good. Boys was, in... Um, the best shark movie I saw recently, just for your knowledge, Jim, was yeah. Shark Side of the Moon. That's TV. interesting. It was the like a Z grade movie, and it was oh. awesome. I need to look this up. It Excuse me the, while I make a note. It was one of the worst movies that's ever been created. So many plot holes. Terrible it can't be worse than Dark Side of the Moon. That was terrible, too. And <laughs> I absolutely loved it. <laughs> we, we did an episode a while ago about awful shark movies, like just getting like the sci-fi type of uh, basement. Uh, like <laughs> Five-headed five nuclear shark attack, you know, stuff oh, like that. Yeah, so. yeah. I know that we watched them. It was just fun to read off the titles. Uh, Boys in the Trees. I don't know that one. I've seen that. It 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 was okay. It's, I wouldn't call it a horror per se. It's more of a drama. With sort of like a Stand By Me movie. No, not at all. No. No. No, you're completely way off base, Jim. I, yeah. I usually am, so it's okay. <laughs> no, um, it's no, it's not a Stand By Me type thing at all. It's just um, just more of a drama, and it's got like a supernaturalish element kind of a, as an under as an undercurrent but okay. i just wouldn't call it a horror uh the next one i'm not a big slasher fan but i really dug this one uh another kind of random pick that was on like shutter or amazon or something and it's 2019's the furies oh, oh i did yeah. like that that, that was, was a great fun. film yeah <laughs> yeah it's fun. It's, fun. It, it's almost like a video game movie yeah. Yeah. It reminded uh, me a bit of um, that American one. Is it The Hunt? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. It reminded me a lot of that. Yeah. Yep. It's a whole Beauty and the Beast thing. I just thought, okay, perfect. Great. Um, 1984's uh, a very boring movie we've talked about, which is Razorback. We didn't yeah. talk about it. You talked about it, Mark. Yes. Okay. Uh, Wolf Creek, Wolf Creek Two. Um, the first, the first one I liked a lot. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen any of the sequels. I, I liked the sequel better than the first. I thought the first one. 
like the first two thirds of it were a little bit slow. Boring. Um, and the 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 ending I felt should have been more. They should have stretched that out a bit more, particularly yeah. her her trying to survive. The guy played by Nathan Phillips, um, he kind of just like just it stumbles out, and he's like, "Oh, I'm all sunburned now." And that was a little bit boring to me. I thought it could have been a lot better. Wolf Creek 2, I think, was more of a comedy the first time I saw it. We were like, really? Is this is this really how they want to take this film? But the first yeah. season of the show, I thought, was um, brilliant. It played out the whole revenge arc really, really well. Um, and I'm excited for, Ray, for, um, for Wolf Creek 3. Yeah, uh, I think Wolf Creek, the, uh, the original movie, um, was two thirds the Australian tourist board showing yeah. how awesome the landscape of Australia is, and then uh, John Jarrett going crazy. I thought part two was just him being crazy from start to finish. Yeah, um, <laughs> so I liked it more. I thought I haven't seen the series, so I can't comment. Um, the Next up, we have uh, Lee Winnell starring in Dying Breed. I think that's the one that I was talking about before with the it, um, Tasmanian Devil. It, it, it's Nina Lee's an exped, expedition to the New Zealand bush to find tigers and meets a cannibalistic family. Is that? Oh, actually, yeah, no, that I think that's the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> yeah. I have not seen this one. Which is uh, not Tasmania at all, by the way. No, <laughs> so I was a bit off. Um, the next one is another really, like, uh, to me, good shark movies are few and far between. But I really like this one, too. It's 2012 oh. Beat. I like that one a lot. It was it was fun. Yeah. yeah. A shark in a, um, in a car mall. park, basically. Yeah. yeah. I know a lot about this movie, but I've never seen it. Weirdly enough, uh, you should. I, it's it's fun. No, no, I, I've seen oh, no. next one. He's, is... he's moving on to the next one already. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, is nineteen seventy eight's Patrick? Um. Yes. No, and he I has a thing about that. rats. Is that right? No. No. This is the one where he's in a coma, and he has like. Oh. Uh, Psychokinetic powers. Yeah, I I don't think I seen the original, but there was another one that was, was very similar remake. to it. Yeah, I think there was a remake um, with Shani Vincent in it, and that was also called Patrick. So I've seen that. I haven't seen the original. Yeah, and the and last I the remake was quite good, actually. Yeah, I agree. And the last one we have at thirty seven percent Rotten Tomatoes ratings. Whoever gives a fuck about that. Run, Rabbit, Run. I haven't seen that one. Never heard of it. No, me neither. Sounds really stupid, though. <laughs> okay, I'll be right back. Okay. So the, the next set, when Mark gets back, we'll just talk about stuff that we've watched or read or anything. It doesn't have to be horror-related. It can be anything you want. Okay. And then that'll pretty much be it. Okay. We'll let you give out some of your websites and stuff again at the end in case anybody didn't get it in the beginning. Yeah, sure. 
So is that everything you hoped it would be? <laughs> um, I was expecting it to go for an hour. Yeah, we we run off at the mouth a lot. Not gonna lie. <laughs> you well, I mean, Wait. obviously, because Kisto, we had him on for four hours. Oh fuck. Yeah, it it just it would not. Mark and I got into a really heated debate, and it went into politics and and religion and stuff. So I'm cutting that out and making that part of the other podcast. Right. So with this one, when you edit it down, what what sort of length do you think it'll be? It'll be around two hours usually. Okay. My husband's just over there playing with the dog at the moment. He must be on his lunch break. No, I'm going. Uh. Susan Summers passed away too. I saw that. Yeah, not not. Did you hear about Piper Laurie? I did. I yeah. did. I was sad. I love her. I loved her as an actress. Yeah, and I said, I said to Paul, "Oh, Piper Laurie died." Who? Yeah. That's funny because I took my I took my partner with me to see um, when we went to Spooky Empire which is a horror movie convention here. And the only person I wanted to meet and get an autograph from was Dee Wallace. Yep. So we're in line and I'm telling him every movie she's ever been in. The only thing he remembered was that she had been in Supernatural. (laughs) And that she flirted with one of the main characters the whole time. So we get up to the table. So of course I have to tell her about this. And I'm like, the only thing he remembers you in is Supernatural. I said, I'm telling him how, about all these different movies you were in and how everybody wanted you as their mom in the 80s. I said, but all he knows is Supernatural. She's like, well, you know, none of that was scripted, right? I just was really flirting with him. Oh, I thought it was great. I love her. Okay. I'm right, Mark? So, Mark, we're going to move on to what we watched. You want to go first? I have one question uh, for both of you. Je- um, Jim, I don't know if I've asked you before. Uh, I'm sure you have. No, what horror movie do you think has the best representation of, like, queer characters? So... Hmm. Honestly, it's going to be a movie you probably have never heard of. It's a movie called Hellbent. Not heard of it. That uh, that probably that probably from from my point of view, it centers around gay men. It it it's uh, a slasher, right? It is yes, and it's a low budget flick. So normally those all revolve around drugs and sex, and it, it's not just normal people. And this one. Go- Yes, it has drugs and sex and clubs, but it, it goes more into their personal lives where they're actually normal human beings. And I really like that about the storyline. Mm. I, I I haven't really seen any that I felt had very good representation across the board. I yeah. find a lot, uh, they either focus on um, gay men or gay women, and that's kind of it. I did see yeah. one on Shudder the other week that was a lesbian couple um in the woods and they were getting hunted down i just can't remember the name of it but they were getting hunted down um and the by the locals who were sort of filming all of their killings and putting it up on the dark web um and it was like a you know all these homophobic slayings and the lesbians turn the yeah. tables on these guys i feel like um, i don't remember what so Let's talk about books. So, um, David, Jack, you guys just published a book by Mark Allen Gunnels, right? It we was did. just released. Yes. It was just released today or yesterday or something, right? October 15, he, it came out. Yep. Yes. That's today here. So, um, 
but he's got another book called yeah. Before He Wakes. And that has some fantastic representation in it. So one of the things about Mark's books is that they all have representation in that way. Yeah. Um, he's a very proud queer author and he yep. makes no apologies for that, which I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so the collection that we've published, it, it mostly does um, focus around queer characters, which is great. Yep. Before he wakes, he's also got When It Rains. Um, I haven't read that one yet. And he's got um, he's got a ton of books out. Um, this guy, yeah. so he's very he writes a lot. Um, and I think you'll find that that a lot of them will be queer focused, uh, which is really really cool. Yeah, I, I absolutely love the the main character in that book. Before he wakes, I thought he was really well represented because yes, he was a gay character, but he wasn't a stereotype. He was, yeah. he, he had a clear thought process. He was completely capable. It was just, it was fantastic. And Mark knows this because we talked about it when I first read the book. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what I like to do with my characters as well. Yep. Um, I don't like the stereotypes unless they're done for a specific reason. Right. Um, and I don't find in my writing that there's much reason for that. So <laughs> I don't yeah. do it. Um, but yeah, no, we're really excited to release that book. Um, Amazon, ebook, Kindle Unlimited, anywhere books are sold, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, wherever. So, Mark, you want to talk about what you watched this week? Um, yeah, I haven't watched an awful lot. Um, talking about like inclusive series. So, I want to, I don't know, Jim, I think you watched it, uh, The Boys. Yeah. The boys. Yep. So um, I, I, I watched uh, the first episode of Gen uh, B. Gen B. Meh. And I really liked it. I, I thought it was a good extension of the boys. If that's, <laughs> maybe that sounds a bit gay. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think it had that same type of feeling about hey, this 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 world that we've created, right? And it's, um, you want to aspire to be something, so you have to fit into this sort of thing to be that thing. Uh, but really, it's all fucked and you're all being used, right? Um, I really like the first episode. I'll, I'll continue watching it. I, I've seen the first two episodes, and I got to say, so far, I'm pretty bored. Really? It just... It, it doesn't have the edginess or any of the stuff that I love about the boys. I think it's it just... Okay. So, no, I don't. I, I think the special <laughs> effects are worse. The characters are drivel. It's just... It, it's not for me. What, what do you mean by edginess? Well, so the whole... The whole reason behind the boys is superheroes behaving badly, right? And next to zero consequences. And then this regular guy starts giving it right back to them. You don't have that that so, that dynamic. So let's just stick with the first episode. Yeah. So so what's not edgy about that? If you want I to call just, it, it just I don't consider it to be edgy. I don't think it, it pushes any boundaries. I think it just rehashes all the same boundaries it, that the boys no, did. No, well, it's yes, but the boys push boundaries and it's doing yes. the same thing. Right, but they did no, it first, no, so it's not edgy anymore. No, no, you don't, you don't have to. Con- like go 
okay, well, they did this, so we have to do 10 times more and 10 times more and 10 times more. You can't say, well, they're not pushing the boundaries. No, they can do something different. I don't care about doing more of the same. I want something different. No, no, my point is it's the same type of thing that they were doing, the boys, hmm. that they did this, but it's a different cast and a different place. Yep. You're entitled to be wrong, but go on. Next. Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, as, as far as the boys, um, David Jack, have you seen it? What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, I love the boys. I haven't seen Gen V yet. I tend to wait till the entire season's out because I, I hate the, I hate the one episode a week thing. Like it's the 1990s. <laughs> um, it's just so annoying. So I wait for the whole season um, to be out. But I loved the boys. Yep. I I really loved um, Elizabeth Shue in it. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And, um, yeah. She There's was, not much about that show I don't like. She was just so slimy in it, and yep. I love. I I don't remember the actress's name. That was kind of. Um, like her assistant that yeah. then came on to be like the head of the company. Yep. And I yeah. like her in that too. Uh, Always pulling her I, hair out. Yeah. Yep. Yes. <laughs> not, everything's going fine. She's going bald. Um, yeah, it's great. So, um, I also watched the first episode of um, Loki season two. Oh, how is it? I haven't seen any of it yet. Um, I think there's a second episode out yet. I mean, it's more Loki, and Tom Huddleston is mm-hmm. uh, always just fantastic to watch yeah. on the screen. Um, I, I think this is better MCU stuff than some of the stuff they've released recently. Okay. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's kind of like that first episode where you don't really know where it's going, so... Um, yeah, enjoyed that. So, um, I don't, I think I was watching like a YouTube, uh, reaction channel or something for, uh, John Carpenter's They Live. And my wife caught like this, like a moment of it. Oh, what's that? You've not seen They Live? Okay. That's what's They Live. So Mark is I, slacking in his husbandly duties. So, <laughs> well... She hasn't seen a Serbian movie or anything, you know, whatever. Um, so, so we sat down and I rewatched uh, They Live. I think a lot of John Carpenter stuff in the 80s was well ahead of its time. Didn't yep. do very well back then. Um, I mean, it's almost like bonking you over head, oh, your head with like a big hammer. Oh, okay. Corporations are doing this, right? Right. Um, and in the 80s, it was pretty relevant. Right now, it's super relevant. Mm. Um, so I think They Live is one of his best movies. Um, not really horror, uh, but more existential, reality-based. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, this is politics, and this is corporations, and this is the world we live in right now. Um <laughs> So learning the lesson from They Live, um, I started to watch uh, Spirit Halloween, the movie. And then oh, I God. Yeah. 
was so, garbage. Uh, David Jack, I don't know if you like Spirit Halloween is like a uh, American company that has kind of these pop up uh, stores around Halloween, and they do the animatronics and stuff. But they they kind of like wait for businesses to go um, bust, and then they take them over just for like a month or two um, to sell their Halloween stuff. Okay. So it's kind of like the they live corporations like feeding off people yeah. and whatever. Um, yeah. So I started that, and it's like the kids run in. It's got Christopher Lloyd in it. Um, yep. From Back to the Future. But it's like one of the kids running, I'm going to buy my costume from here. I'm like, oh my fucking God, I can't watch this. No, it's it's too corporate. It's too. Yeah. Like, I can't. I can't. I just can't do it. Um, I haven't read any books uh, recently. So that's it. David Jack, what about you? What have I watched? Um, I've been on a couple of binges lately, revisiting some um, of my favorite franchises. So I've done Alien, Predator, um, all those ones, and now I'm on the Hellraiser movies. Okay. So um, anyway... I didn't actually watch Hellraiser last night because um, so because um, the fourth installment is not available on streaming services over here. So I switched to Final Destination. So I watched ah. um, number one and two last night. They, I love that franchise. I just think it's so much fun. Yeah. Um, and the first one particularly uh, is one of my favorites. Yeah. So, yeah. I watched part that. Who is a favorite of mine? Of that so series. part two, I felt um, I, I I always had mixed feelings about it, but I, it's kind of grown on me a bit more. I had mixed feelings because um, the first one was very clearly about teenagers, obviously with the exception of Miss Miss Luton. Right. Then the se- the sequel was like you know there's a kid who gets put to get put put to bed by his mother and then there's the mother and then there's all these kind of nope. miscast characters. I didn't think really anyone was cast very well, except for mm-hmm. maybe Kimberly. Cause I like AJ cook as an actress. Um, and I felt that it, they already had the knowledge of flight 180. So it was kind of like, this is what we need to do, but no one wanted to do it, which was a little bit stupid. Um, and then I don't know. Uh, so I've had mixed feelings about it, but now I sort of just sit back and go, the death scenes are quite fun. Um, so just go with it and just enjoy I, it. I, yeah. I, I think the whole series is kind of uh, sort of analogous to like the Saw series. It's like putting people in these uh, quote-unquote traps, right? So it's not a trap, but death is going to be at you, right? But how is it yeah. going to get you? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, I think part two just has the most fun, quote unquote, traps. Um, it's got the most mm. likable characters, I think. Part, well, um, maybe the first one. But um, I, I, I just think the second one is bigger and it doesn't get as 
kind of Looney Tunes as the sequels. <laughs> which is I, which is the one? Go ahead. I love Final Destination three. I thought that the way that they did the uh, what do you call it the roller coaster right mm-hmm. um, disaster. I thought that was really cool. Um, and I liked the little um, Easter eggs they put in. You know, you can see a truck driving past and it's one of the same companies from the first or second film. And they did that in the sequel in um, number two as well with the, the Mount Abraham school bus driving past. And um, But I just, I, I kind of like all those little, um, the signs that the audience can look for as well. And I think Final Destination 3 did that really well. Um <laughs> That whole series is like Easter eggs, right? And some yeah, of the it does. Yeah, are like okay. Remember this. This is where this one ends. This one is where it begins. Yeah, uh, well, but I, I, I kind of don't want to skip past because I love the Hellraiser brand. Not all yeah. the movies. Um, yeah. So, what what are your favorite movies from that franchise? Um, I mean. The first two. Right. Um, I thought the third one was pretty decent, given that it still had mild connections to um, Kirsty Cotton. Um, but the first two, I thought, were were really, like, closely related. Yep. And they almost, they almost told a complete story as a, um, as a sequel. It, it, it's uh, like... Well, it, Sorry, it's like Halloween 1 and 2, right? Because Hellraiser yeah. 2, uh, the second one starts off right after the Yeah, exactly. The yeah. Um, and it, I, so for me, that's probably the, those are probably the, the, the two best ones. Um, but yeah, no, the third one I thought was quite decent. I like Terry Farrell as an actress. Yeah. Um, she always does, she, she, she was always quite good when she was acting. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The fourth one I, I haven't seen for years, and now obviously it's not available for streaming. So, it's... <laughs> so the fourth one I bought the uh, screenplay, so Peter Atkins wrote it, um, and obviously you know uh, Kevin Yeager was the director, and he took his name off it uh, because of studio interference. It's a right. really good, interesting movie done kind of badly, so it. it I, I think it fits with the first four and then you can kind of block off the next like four or five into its own thing. And mm. then get the reboot um, with um, what's her name? Jamie. Yeah. Clayton? Jamie Clayton. Clayton, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I, I liked the, the reboot. I thought it was a good one. I, I think. I think there's positive signs with the reboot. Um, I think they have, like, the characters are pretty annoying still, but I <laughs> like the direction that they took it. I, I And I like what, what I liked was um, if I want to see the original Hellraiser, I'll go and see the original Hellraiser. Yep. What they did with the reboot was it's about the, um, you know, the bot, the puzzle box. They made, um, they made Pinhead a woman, which it was originally supposed to be a woman. Um, and they did something a little bit different with it to make it its own, 
to make it its own. And I liked that. And I, mean, I, I think from Barker's um, Hellbound Heart, right? The, the Cenobites are supposed to be androgynous, right? There's no like sex assigned to them. But uh, what I really love what they did with um, the reboot was make the box really interesting and go into like super different shapes every time you did something to it. Yeah. Um, but I think the characters within it were a little kind of like some of the later sequels that they weren't that interesting. Um, but there was definitely sparks there of greatness. So I, I, I hope they continue it. Jim. So I, I did not care for the reboot. I thought that the actress that played the new pinhead was fantastic. And I wish she was in a better movie. I wish that character and that actress were in a better movie. You're a real negative Nelly, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So what, uh, what, what have you been watching this week, Jim? This week has all been revisiting Friday, the 13th series. Um, I started watching the Jaws series again, so nothing out of the ordinary. Um, as far as books go, I listened to this Mark's favorite genre, a post-apocalyptic book called Boombox, the Boombox series, and it was awful. I did make it through it, but it was not good. Um, and I did read a book that I'm not supposed to talk about, so we'll, we'll leave that for another day. Well, given as, given as that you are such a negative Nelly, I feel so proud of myself that I've see? written a book that you gave a five out of five to. That's all I'm saying. That, yeah, see? Uh, David Jack, that is like um, a one-off. <laughs> well, I, I hope it's a two-off. <laughs> let, let me put it in perspective, right? So, so sit back. Yes, sit back. So I asked Jim for his top five horror movies. And oh, what for fuck's sake, them. And one of his top five horror movies, he rated a seven out of ten. So if he's rating your book a five out of five, that that is something. Well, he didn't actually rate it, but I'm I'm assuming it's going to be five out of five. <laughs> I gave you my feedback as I read it, so you know exactly what I thought about it. Yes, and the and it's a five out of five. Yep. So Jim, you're watching uh, rewatching the Friday Thirteenth. Uh, Jim and uh, Dave Jack, what is your favorite Friday the 13th movie? Just pick one. Part seven. What's the one where he bangs the chick in a, um, in a sleeping bag against a tree? Uh, well, he does it in Jason X and he does it in what? Three, three or four. I think it's three. Then I think that one, the, 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 the first time that he did that. I love yeah, that. Yeah, I think I think that was number three. <laughs> I like it when um, so the first one isn't really obviously it's not a Jason right. thing. Um, the second one you don't really see, he doesn't get his mask nope. until it's like number three. Yeah, like so for me that's when he becomes Jason. Jason as we know him today yeah. as the iconic character. So um, yeah, so I'm gonna say that one. Uh, I, I really, really like it. Like grinds my gears to say this, but part seven is my favorite. Yeah. Oh my god. 
So not my own screen. What's that one? Is that the new blood or? It, it, yeah, the it's, one with the telekinesis. It's girl. It's like Carrie versus Jason. Yeah, pretty much. But I love Jason X. And I love oh. Freddy versus Jason. I don't like Freddy versus Jason, but Jason X was a masterpiece. So what's your favorite uh, Nightmare on Elm Street? Are you asking me, Mark? Mine's the original. So mine is a toss-up, and it really depends on my mood. I love the original, and I love three. I kind Uh, of... I really like the first one because... And I'll say this with most franchises, um, because that's where... Like, that's the source material for the sequels a lot of the time. So the first time you see Freddy, you don't know what exactly to expect, how to to beat him, how to battle him, what's going to happen. But you can start to really guess that stuff, even from the second one, because the formula is is pretty static for me, even though they go into the whole psychic thing and dream child and blah, blah. It's still very formulaic. So for me, yeah, for that franchise, the first one. And, and you can't deny that the draw for the a Nightmare on Elm Street series is that Freddy talks back. Oh, His yeah, one-liners are the big draw. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I think three is a sweet spot of Freddy being frightening and Freddy being entertaining. Yep. <laughs> uh, but have you, uh, again, going back into the queer cinema stuff, have you watched uh, Scream Queen? The uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Yeah. No, the documentary. Documentary. I have not watched the documentary yet. Mark Mark Patton. Mark Patton. Yeah. Very good. Really enjoyed it. So, David, Jack, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you again? And about some of your upcoming uh, things. Okay. So, you can find me as an author on Facebook. Just Google... Um, just go on Facebook and search my name. Um, you can also follow my editing business, Chainsaw Editing, on Facebook. Um, and you can follow Slashic Horror Press on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, and you can follow me as well on TikTok. Most of the most of the usernames for me are at Fletcher Horror, so if you just search that, you should be fine. Um, and you can go to our website, slashichorrorpress.com. Mark, anything else you want to say? No. Okay. So, David, Jack, thank you so much for all your time today. Sorry we monopolized you. It's been great to talk to you, and I, I look forward to a lot more of your offerings in the future. And I promise <laughs> I will finish Raven Creek shortly. Raven's Creek. With a Raven's five out Creek. Of five. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> we'll let you get back to um, your neighbors and uh, home and away omnibus. You know what? When neighbors was cancelled, oh, I was so grateful. Oh, this cancel culture has to stop. No, I just—it's <laughs> just not a good show. And then I was devastated to learn that it's now been picked up again by Netflix. Well, yeah. it's when good neighbors become good friends. I mean. Is not no a, neighbor is a unity? good friend. That's a call for unity. That's all I see. Well, I'm not friends with my neighbors. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Jim? I don't even know my neighbors. 
<laughs> okay, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>